0: What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 123, presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I'm getting pretty sick and tired of summer. I need hockey right now. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's rocking his Seattle Mariners hat because one of his favorite teams in sports, the Seattle
1: Mariners, have been on fire lately. Frank, how you doing? You got that right. They have been on fire. We're in the push for the playoffs, but we're not in the push for the playoffs for the NHL season. We're we're just trying to scrape the, the beginning of it here in the next coming month or so. So I'm excited, and I think today's going to be a very fun show.
0: Today is going to be a very fun show. Something happened in the NHL in the last week or so that made it where it kind of saved this show because I have no idea what we would, we would be talking about on August 9th in the most dead heap of the NHL offseason season. Without the big trade between the Pittsburgh Penguins, the San Jose Sharks, and the Montreal Canadiens. And I can't think so of a good. better way to <laughs> to talk about all this stuff <laughs>
1: than the interview we are going to get to in period number one. Oh, VP, he remembered to send it, and I wasn't ready. Uh,
0: you thought I was going to forget. Welcome to period one of Bar Down Talking. Hockey. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Eat me. We're welcoming on a very special guest, for a writer for The Spun and co-host of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Hunter Hodies. Hunter, how we doing?
2: Good. You know, this has just been Eric Carlson week, I've coined it. Just all the content about him. Figured this was going to happen at some point this past weekend. I said on my show, it's either going to be this weekend or it's probably not going to happen until maybe closer to training camp. And sure enough, the bat window opened and Kyle Dubas said we have a deadline and they got it done.
0: The NHL's dead in the second and third week of August every single year. And I wonder why the NHL doesn't, like, push for something, like, just tell teams, like, hey, do something crazy in the middle of, like, the NFL has something sick in every single month, and including they make a spectacle of the schedule release. All the teams are doing TikToks and stuff now. August is straight up dead in the NHL, so the Eric Carlson trade kind of breeding some life into what has been a little bit of a dry time. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of hockey talk, I want to know. So I've had a bunch of guests throughout all the shows from the Lockdown Network. Uh, my good friend Nick Morawski is actually the host of the Lockdown White Sox podcast, and we have a lot of baseball content with him. But I'm curious, how would you get involved with all that stuff? And then writing for The Spun and your love for sports is clearly transitioning into something cool here.
2: I got into hockey when I was really young. I have my mom to thank for that. She is one of the biggest Penguins fans you could ever meet. She still follows the team now, not as much as she used to when she was you know, a teenager in her early 20s, but she is the reason why I got into the Penguins and why I just got into this sport as a whole. I really got into sports at a young age. I felt like I knew quite a bit of stuff, and my family would always say, I guess I'm like an encyclopedia in some way. They're like, you should do this as some sort of a career. I was like, well, oh, maybe you might be right. And- I did some writing or I guess blogging when I was late high school into college. And then during my senior year of college, I saw the Penguins posting for Locked On. I was like, oh, you know, I've never really done a podcast before. I'll just put my name out there. I have the interview. The person who interviews me said, yeah, you're actually one of the people who I was hoping would apply. I'm like, that's funny because I had never done a Penguins podcast before. But it went well. I've been doing the show ever since. I just got a co-host, Patrick Damp of KDKA. And that's been a lot of fun. And, you know, we just have so much fun doing the show as a whole. And, you know, we do game recaps, we do game previews, all that other stuff. And as for the Spun, I got that job about a year and a half ago. I love writing about sports. We do a lot of NFL, college football, and all that good jazz. And there's never a boring day in this industry, I think is how I'm going to wrap that up. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So just once again, I want to thank you, Hunter, for coming on the show. Um, Love that you're so much involved in hockey like we are. Uh, But I want to dive into the big news surrounding Eric Carlson joining the Pittsburgh Penguins, the first defenseman to reach 100 points since 1992. How do you feel about the trade and what will it do for the Penguins?
2: I'm really excited about it. You know, I understand there are naysayers out there that say, well, it doesn't make sense for the Penguins. A lot of these guys are old now, all that other stuff. But the thing is, They've won their Stanley Cups, and sure, they're still going for it towards the end of Sidney Crosby's career, of Geddy Malkin's career, and Crystal Tang's career. But this team also just needs to be fun to watch. Like these past couple of seasons, I've kind of felt like the team has been boring, stale is another word to describe it. It's just not, you know, 2016 and 2017 level of fun. And they've gotten away from that a little bit. And now, when you add a player like Eric Carlson that takes the pressure, off of Chris Tang someone who is a bit older than him, usually he has to play 25, 26, 27 minutes a night. He's, he still may play 23 to 25 minutes a night, but he's not going to be pressured to be doing all of it right now. That's the big thing. And with Carlson, you can get a second number one defenseman in there who can play on the power play, can play a lot of five on five minutes. Heck, Evgeny Malkin is going to love this. He's never played with a defenseman like this. Throughout his career, usually Sidney Crosby hogs up Chris Letang. That's always been kind of like a a little bit running joke that people in the Penguins community have had because Gino just gets, you know, the second portion for that. Now he gets to have his own number one defenseman in Eric Carlson, and again, like it just it takes the pressure off Letang, and with what they paid to get him, that's a slam dunk. You gave away a top 10 protected first round pick. And maybe that is a, is a good pick if the season goes bad, but obviously the penguins don't want it to go that way. Gave up Jeff Petrie, who was overpaid. You gave up Mikhail Gremlin, who was just a total bust after Ron Hextall acquired him. Jan Ruda, who didn't really have that good of a first season as well. Nathan Liguerre, who I don't think was ever going to get to the NHL. And then Casey, DeSmith Smith goes to Montreal. You just really couldn't sell the tandem of of Jari and DeSmith going back to back with each other. And, you send all that away. You bring in Eric Carlson. Even though the Sharks aren't retaining that much money, yes, it's a high ticket. You're paying him $10 million for the next four years. That's a trade I make every single day considering the assets that they gave up to get him. It was really not that much.
0: Yeah. I mean, they saved $3 million in cap space by – making this trade. It's hard to acquire a player worth $10 million a season against the cap and it save you money. It's just a weird type of deal that works out in their favor for sure. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you about next, obviously you had a guy like Eric Carlson. He's one of the most dynamic defensemen of all time, I think we can fairly say. And he's coming off at Norris Trophy season where he looked healthy. I want to know what your thoughts are on the power play. Obviously, when this Penguins team is at full strength, even pre car Carlson, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Christopher Latang, Jake Gensel's going to miss the beginning of the season, but he'll be back in short order, I would assume, based on the reports that have come out by November. I think we'll start hearing about Jake Gensel returning and all that. Um, what are your power play lines looking like? Obviously, Riley Smith makes a difference. You could put up some other guys. There's Brian Rust. You know, do you separate Carlson and Latang on the power play? Does that make them separate Crosby and Malkin on the power play? There are all sorts of different combinations that could go on here, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it.
2: I think Mike Sullivan and Tar Reardon, Tar Reardon excuse me, are going to have a lot of fun with this unit. If you're asking me, I would have Carlson at the point running it. He's been a really good power play quarterback throughout his career. And that's no disrespect to Crystal Tang. He has done his job as a power play quarterback. Not, wasn't as good as Sergey Gonchar was when he was with the Penguins. He was, and he still is, the best power play quarterback I've seen in my lifetime as long as I've been watching the Penguins. But again, I also wasn't alive in 92 and all that when Paul Coffey was with the team and all that good stuff. But I would have Carlson at the point. I would have Malkin at one of the half walls. I would have Crosby down low. I would have Jake Gensel in front of the net because he's one of the better net front presences in the league. And I would put Chris Tang in the Phil Kessel spot on the left half wall. He doesn't have to quarterback it. He can be just – what's the word I'm looking for? I guess a dynamic player from there. He can shoot the puck from there. He can also pass the puck from there. The Penguins, that's the, a big thing they've been missing on that unit Ever since Kessel was traded to the Coyotes and then he's played for, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights and all that good stuff, won the Stanley Cup this year, they haven't had a trigger man or just a pure playmaker in that spot to put the fear of God into opponents. And I think that's why the power play is kind of, I guess it's been good, but it hasn't been as good as normal for these past few years. And if you you can have that type of deployment, I really think that's going to make it pretty hard for the opposition to stop because Latang has a really good one-timer. We all know how good he is as a playmaker. Carlson is a great power play quarterback. You combine both those things with Evgeny Malkin's beautiful slap shot from the right half wall. We all call them Geno bombs in Pittsburgh. Crosby with his vision behind the net, that's his office in my opinion. And then with how good Jake Gensel is in front of the net, I don't think there are going to be better, better power play units in the league than that one if that's the the unit that Mike Sullivan and Tahrir decided to go with.
1: This Penguins team is going to be a lot more enjoyable. I will agree with you on that, Hunter. And besides Eric Carlson, the Penguins made a lot of moves this offseason, right? They brought in Nedeljkovic as a backup. Uh, They signed Henestros, Andreas Johnson, Will Butcher, you name it. They got some players in return for Carlson. But which one of those, not necessarily any of the players I named, but what... (sighs) What have you thought of their off season so far and like what is to come?
2: Sorry about that. I had a weird video no, pop no. up on my laptop for some reason. Oh, don't know the heck well. that was, but
1: I think the off season overall,
2: even before the Carlson trade, I thought it was fine. They made some depth signings. they, got some depth players that were under Ron Hextall out of there. They brought in Matt Nieto, Anolachari, who I think is going to be like a Brandon Tanev-like player. Nieto can produce offensively, can also play good defensively. The players that they brought in, especially at forward, they're going to be a lot tougher to play against in the bottom six, and they're not going to be hemmed in their own zone like you saw this past season. One of the biggest problems I thought for the Penguins this past season was when the top six was not on the ice, they were being scored on at length. I mean, they were a minus 22 when those two lines were on the ice at five on five. And the puck was in their zone when the bottom two lines were on the ice. Now, will they score a lot this upcoming season? The bottom six it is maybe not because some of the bottom six guys they added are just strictly defensive players, but I still think they can maybe give you eight to 10, 11, 12 goals, something like that. But They're not going to be hemmed in their own zone. They're going to be able to get the puck out of the defensive zone and kind of play like that quote-unquote low-event hockey where nothing happens, and that's fine. Like I'm fine with that. It's a bold strategy because you're not surrounding yourself with a bunch of players who have scored 15, 16, 17 goals in your bottom six, and I would love for someone like Tomas Tatar to come in there. Vinny, I mean, I know he played for – your Devils this past season. He was really good during the regular season. That's someone who I would love to bring in. I think the Penguins may have interest in him. But, you know, you look at those depth boards. I like it. Ryan Graves, he's Brian Doomlin's replacement. Doomlin used to be one of the more underrated defensemen in the league, but he's not that anymore. It's just really unfortunate seeing his decline these past couple of years. And you bring in someone like Graves, who's better defensively, can move the puck up the ice, is a shot happy defenseman from the point. I think that's going to make things really good for the Penguins. You compare him with Carlson or Latang. I think they may start the season with him with Latang, in my opinion. And I think they want to see what Pedersen can do with Carlson. Though, in, in my view, I would flip-flop them because I think Pedersen is ready for those minutes with Latang. But overall, even, again, even outside the Carlson trade, I've liked their offseason. It wasn't as good as now. I, I gave it about... A little above average, B-minus, C-plus. I, I I still thought even before this trade that they were a playoff team. I think they're better than a few of the teams in the Metropolitan Division. And especially now with this trade, that bumps my grade up to maybe like, you know, an A-minus, B-plus or anything like that. I'm still hoping that they can add another bottom six forward. They're kind of capped out right now that can give them some offensive umph down there because I still don't see enough depth scoring when the top six is off the ice, but they're not going to be hemmed in their own zone and be giving up a bunch of goals like the bottom six was last year.
0: Yeah, you touched on the additions. Okay, so Riley Smith, I really loved that for them. He's coming off winning a Stanley Cup. He's going to be hungry to try and get back into the playoffs and do it some more. Nola Chari, Matt Nieto, these guys are guys who can come in and play just solid, hard hockey, and I think that's kind of what the Penguins were missing last season. And, you know, Sid had a sick year. I mean, people – he he went from being the best player in the league. He's not that anymore, but he's he went from being the best player in the league to probably the most underrated player. I know that sounds – freaking crazy, but Sid was sick last year. I watch a lot of the Penguins, obviously, and, I, you know, Gino, he had a great year. Letang, good year. All these guys had good years. They were healthy, and now you're bringing in a healthy Carlson who, by all accounts, coming off that, you know, I'm not sure he's going to have 100 and whatever points again, but if he has 85 points, you know, and You touched on Peterson, or I think you say Peterson or Pedersen. He's unreal. I was looking at some of his underlying statistics yesterday. One of the top defensive defensemen on the Penguins, they are just so – I think they're ready to take a step. I wanted to know, though, I I love the idea of Tatar going to the Penguins. He could play on lines one, two, or three. He did play on lines one, two, or three with New Jersey last year who obviously have a lot of high-end centers just like Pittsburgh. Um, What about Phil? coming back you you seem to like phil kessel you touched on it amanda kessel joins the organization and now it's like okay phil's still looking for a team the iron man streak is still intact i know he didn't really play much in the playoffs played against winnipeg and then didn't really play much after that but he played 82 out of 82 last year and the penguins could use a guy like that on the third line
2: it would be fun kind of like a nice little homecoming to bring kessel home i don't know though i think at this point He's just not the same player that he used to be. He's a little bit older now, of course. His his goal scoring has kind of gone down a little bit. Maybe as it gets closer to camp, if you want to bring him back, it would make sense. But I think right now... If you're going after a depth forward, I would rather go after someone like a Tatar, like a Pius Suter. He would be good center depth for the Penguins. I still can't believe he's on the market right now. It's crazy considering his underlinings. Yeah, Those are the type of players that I think I would be going after right now. Again, love Kessel. Love what he did for the team, especially in 2016 2017. But I think right now that ship has kind of sailed. But again, it would definitely be kind of funny if they brought him back.
1: I think – one of the most asked questions about the Pittsburgh Penguins this year is how much does Crosby, Malkin, and Latang have left in the tank? It appears like the Penguins are going all out, you know, trying to get at least another cup or at least, you know, another run in the playoffs, right? If they won, if they win the cup, it's bonus. They've won three cups. So, I mean, right? They don't have to go out and prove anything. So, if they go out and win a cup, it's like gravy. But what what's left in the tank for them? Are they, de- what do you, what do you think? Are they declining or is it, is it coming to an end? Is this their last ditch effort? Cause we kind of saw the Hawks try to do that. The Blackhawks with Taves and Kane before it was time for them to go. So well, what do you have on that?
2: I do think, especially with this trade, it shows that they're going all in for especially the the, the next couple of years, because Cindy Crosby's contract is up after these next two seasons, I think he's going to sign some sort of contract after then to retire as a member of the Penguins. But by then, you know, he's 38. He's going to be 40 pretty soon. You think he's going to trail off maybe a little bit more by then? But right now, Crosby, he's still one of the best players in the league. I mean, I'll still say he's a top five player in the league. Hit over 90 points this past season. I discussed it on my show with Pat a couple of weeks ago. He's probably going to hit top 10 in the NHL's all-time scoring list this upcoming season if he stays fully healthy. And it's a shame that you know he probably would already be there right now if he didn't miss all that time with the concussion. Kenny Malkin was a point per game player this past year. Chris Letang went through hell and back with the stroke, his dad passing away, the injury. I think he's going to come back with a strict vengeance this year too. But this trade again shows to me that they are all in at least for the next couple of years. They are trying to get one more Stanley Cup out of this group because you know, you know, one's obviously good, two's even better, three is just insane. But if you get four you're kind of in like that immortality stage where it's like, you know, I know no one can really talk bad about you now, but if you do that, I mean, especially no one's going to say a bad word about you if you get four Stanley Cups and yeah, it's rare when a core this old wins, but you know, why not? I mean, I kind of think of it just in a way it's, it's not a totally, you know, full, full good comparison, but maybe like the golden state warriors with how they won a lot of their championships, they kind of fell off a little bit. And then they returned to glory just a little over a year ago and they won a title. So, you know, maybe the same thing happens here with the Penguins. I think that would be obviously great here for the fans and everyone involved in the city of Pittsburgh, but that's how I see it. And especially with how they're going to be a lot more fun, a lot more enjoyable to watch. That's why I think fans are really excited about this trade because you, know, you get to watch one of Eric Carlson or Chris Letang on the ice every night. If both of them stay healthy for 50 of the 60 minutes like that's something that i mean something you probably dreamed about th- throughout this tenure here so that's really where i stand on all that
0: yeah and i'm excited i i respect the penguins for making a move like this because like even though there are some flaws to carlson's game when it comes to his defensive you know metrics and all sorts of the way the way he plays in his own zone he's a purely offensive defenseman i think pittsburgh has a guy that they can they have two guys that they can pair with him to kind of you know let carlson be the riverboat gambler that he is you never know what the limit is for points when he's got offensive gurus up front, the way that he does now, probably more than he, I mean, he was, he had stone and Hoffman and guys like that in Ottawa. And, you know, the good days in San Jose when Logan Couture and Timo Meyer and, you know, all those guys who were up there for them um, hurdle. Oh my God. Hurdle was outstanding at deflecting Eric Carlson passes. I think if Sidney Crosby could get a little bit of that in Sidney Crosby's like hurdle on crack when it comes to, you know, tipping pucks. So, you know, that should be really fun to watch. I am curious though, for like a younger generation of Penguins fans, it's been a while since the Penguins have stunk and I'm talking like not miss the playoffs by one point. It's been a while since they've stunk. And I do think that towards the end of the Crosby, Malkin, Carlson, now, Era, they're probably going to go through a little bit of a rebuild. And I think if I'm a Penguins fan, I'm almost like, it's not that I'm looking forward to it because the dog days of those, ty- as a Devils fan, take it from me, the dog days of those kinds of seasons aren't fun to be a part of. But you, you can watch the World Juniors and be like, hey, the Penguins, they got this guy coming up. And, you know, he could be the replacement for uh, it's hard to replace those, you know, the two headed monster. But you know what I'm getting at. You could start to build something fresh and new. And I think that'll be an exciting time in Pittsburgh. Is that something that ever gets talked about with the Penguins? you know diehards because I know from the outside people talk about it a lot but I mean right now it's a mix of enjoying the ride and kind of looking forward to what might be coming of the future
2: yeah I think everyone at some point is going to be prepared for this team to stink at least for a few years I mean heck I was only a small kid you know back when Rico Fata was one of the best players on this team heck Dick Tarnstrom was leading the team and scoring you got the moose Johan Hedberg and all these other guys where it's just like man, these were some tough teams to watch and obviously everything changed when, you know, the big three came and all this other stuff. But, you know, I mean, it gets talked about a little bit because the time is coming pretty soon. I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, if I'm looking right now, I don't know, 2026, 2027, somewhere starting then. And then after where the team is not going to be good. And yes, that means maybe you'll have to do what you did to get Sidney Crosby, be really bad kind of tank, but you know, you would probably rather not do that, I think, but it, it still works considering how, you know, the Oilers got Connor McDavid. You saw that the Maple Leafs get Austin Matthews, The Blackhawks got Connor Bedard by literally just tanking this past season. And, you know, they were, they've only really been bad for a couple of seasons now. So that can work, but I don't really know if the Penguins are really going to want to go down that road in terms of being bad, but yeah, I mean, everyone obviously thinks about it. You know, you don't you don't want to because you want to watch these players for as long as you can. But there's going to be a time when they're not there and they're going to be up in the rafters and they're going to be enjoying their retired life. So I you know to, just to answer your question, I know it's a long-winded answer. Yes, I do think everyone thinks about it, but I think everyone just wants to kind of forget about it until these players are like, you know, 39, 40 you know, maybe even upwards of 40, because I think Crosby and Malkin and Latay are going are to try to play into their 40s, to be honest.
1: We've talked a lot about the players, but perhaps one of the biggest moves the Penguins made this offseason was getting a new general manager in Kyle Dubas. Does that have you excited at all?
2: Yes. Uh, just <laughs> this trade, especially for Eric Carlson, I don't even think that's a deal that Ron Hextall can think of in his head. I don't even think it was possible for him to think of that kind of deal. And just... Seeing someone run the show that actually knows what they're doing and knows what they're talking about. I remember that first media conference that he had on June 1st. I sat down to watch it. And just listening to Kyle talk about hockey, I was like, I learned more about hockey in those 30 minutes than I did in the two years that Ron Hextall ran this team. I mean, you know, he didn't really talk to the media that much anyway. But when he did, you just never really learned anything. It it was just super weird at the time and to go from someone like that to someone like this who understands what it takes to build a winning team and I know you can make the jokes about the Maple Leafs first round oh yeah but you know they won the series this year that they still haven't won a cup in a very long time I get it but he has shown an ability to build winning teams they just haven't really gotten over the hump in the playoffs Maple Leafs also just have this crazy curse on on them that's just been there forever but you look at how he's done with that team the players that he brought in to support that core. You've seen it now with the debt players he brought in, the Ryan Graves signing, Eric Carlson trade. He knows what it takes to build championship winning teams. And he has put his stamp on the team in these two months. He's taken out a lot of the players that Ron Hextall either signed or traded for over the past two years. And he's brought in his own players to say, nope, those players are a thing of the past. I don't think we can win with those guys. We're going to bring in players who I think are upgrades. And I think so far he's done a really good job of that. And I'm really excited to see what he can do this upcoming season because I don't think they're done tinkering tinkering. I think they have another forward to sign. Maybe, maybe they have a defenseman to get at the trade deadline, something like that. I think they are going to make a trade or two by then. He's usually pretty active during the season and he's going to try to bolster this team as much as possible so that they can make a run at Lord Stanley's cup this year, because everyone knows it. I mean, this team missed the playoffs for the first time in over 15 years this year. It's very rare when you see the penguins out of the playoffs. I mean, I remember I sat down to watch playoff hockey and I was like, it's weird. I'm not feeling anxious for the first time since <laughs> I was in elementary school, but I, I'm just, I'm excited for the future with him. He's going to, he signed a seven year contract. He's going to make between five or 6 million per season, somewhere, somewhere around there. And I'm just glad that someone stable enough is running the show and that this person is not just going to make a panic move or anything like that for the sake of it.
0: Yes. I mean, the Maple Leafs are all the playoff jokes aside. They are one of the best teams in the NHL. There is no doubt about it. He's done nothing but smart things when it comes there. And I've loved the off season so far. It kind of makes me think that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to reflect a lot of the Maple Leafs habits. I even see them playing like a similar style of game, Uh, maybe a little bit tougher in the bottom six than um, Toronto and that's saying something because I don't necessarily think Pittsburgh is like all that tough but uh, compared to Toronto um, you know there are also going to be lessons learned as he gets older and Frank Frankie and the people at home who have been watching the show for a long time are going to be surprised I would rather rehire Stan Bowman than hire Hextall to be the GM of my favorite wow. team everything Hextall touched in the NHL and as an executive turned to shit it's just, it's just a fact the Flyers listen Scotty Bowman in his prime would have taken Nolan Patrick second overall. I'm not boo-booing Hextall for that. Injuries and concussions have, you know, allowed the McCars and the Heiskanens and Heisher and everybody else to look better than Patrick. But other than, like, everything else he did, he, the Giroux tenure in Philly went downhill. Then he goes to Pittsburgh, Granlin, and, like, all these moves that they made, It just not good. Into the ground, Dubis will bring them back up. And speaking of goaltenders... Um, I didn't even mention a single goaltender, so I don't know why I said speaking of goaltenders. Well, Hextall was a goalie. (laughs) Um, Hunter, I want to know what you think about Jari. Can he be an all-star again? DeSmith isn't there anymore. It's going to be Nadalkovich backing him up. Um, I like Jari, and I don't like Jari. I'm very up and down with him. For some reason, we can't hear you, Hunter.
1: Yeah, nothing we uh oh, wait
0: no hunter why don't you try um exiting and then coming back in with the link that usually works um technology we are at the um kind of just the mercy of technology that's the word i was looking for frank the mercy the um
1: mercy. got us um, by the funny ball. i was
0: like i didn't say a single thing about a goaltender and i'm like speaking of goaltenders hunter we got you oh for some reason it's just not it's Just not picking up your voice anymore. Hold on,
1: now it's muted. It's it says it's muted. There, it go, nothing, nothing.
0: That's unreal. That is crazy. I, I can read lips. All right, we'll just read lips the rest of the episode and I'll translate. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe try maybe try m-
1: exiting the browser. Did you close out the browser? Try it. <laughs>
0: Yep. Well, whenever we're, we got nowhere to be in all day to get there, Hunter, you do what you got to do to get back. Frank, good conversation about the Pittsburgh. Good conversation. How does sound? I mean, you're a technology guy. You write for app trigger and all that. How do you just <laughs> lose sound?
1: You know, I, I don't understand sometimes how it's not just necessarily sound, but like you ever like when you need your phone needs a hard restart because something's going on with your phone where it's like buggy. Like, you can't open an app. It just like opens and shuts, or opens and shuts, or just stuff like that. Have you ever had that? Yeah, 100%. It's just, I don't understand how that works or why that works, but.
2: Is this thing on? Let's go!
0: (laughs) It was the curse of the maple leafs just shitting. I think my mic got
2: muted right after, and then I think I might have messed with something.
0: That's totally okay, Hunter. We've had no worries. We've had the funniest of funny stuff happen in terms of oh, technical yeah. difficulties. So oh,
2: and again, sorry for that audio. A, a video just started playing on my laptop and I was like, no, 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 what no, is don't going on? It.
0: Dude, that is like the one thousandth like funniest thing to happen on the show in terms of like, you know, technology nuisances or whatever. We we've had guests think it was a good idea to do it from a, a restaurant. And like, just allowed in the back, like, trust me, you have been incredible so far. And we love your insight. I was interested in what you were saying about Tristan Jari though.
2: Yes. It's a high ticket, five years, almost five and a half million per. I think Dubis was getting a little spooked when he saw some of these goalies come off the free agent market. You had some options on the trade market, but you know, Connor Hellebuck hasn't really been dealt. John Gibson's out there, but in my opinion, I think Gibson's kind of washed at this point. I understand he's been playing behind a really bad Anaheim Ducks team, but who's to say that that's really going to improve, even though he would be on a better team. His numbers have not been good for the last three to four years. So they're making a bet with someone who they are familiar with. And I don't think this goalie has just forgotten how to play hockey. Yes, he's been banged up, but not this past season, but the season before this one, 2021, 2022, he was one of the better goalies in the league. I think he was a top 10 goalie in the league before he had Anders Lee just ram into his foot and break it during that Penguins Islanders game late in the season. I believe that was also the game that clinched the Penguins a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. And, you know, he was top 10 in goal state above expected 919 and 921 goalie He was playing really well. He was looking like someone who was going to potentially go on a redemption tour to show that he was not the same goalie that he was during the 2021 playoffs where he just gave the series away against the Islanders when The series were tied 2-2. And again, he's had the injuries, had the groin issue this year. I also had a back injury from what I was told by a couple of people. He says that's over with. And if he can stay healthy and give this team at least average goaltending, they will have a shot to win every single game. I think he's honestly not in one of the – the elite tiers of like that top five to top seven goalie range where you have Shostorkin, Vasilevsky, Sorokin, Hellebuck, and Soros and all those guys. But I think in that next year and that maybe eight to 12 range, nine to 13, I think Tristan Jari is comfortably right there as one of the, you know, one of those better goalies in the league. He has shown that a couple of times in the NHL. And if he can stay healthy this year, I do think this team can make at least a little bit of noise and at least make the playoffs for this year. But again, Definitely a high ticket. I don't know if I would attach my legacy to that contract. It's a very big risk. But if it works out, you're going to look like a legend. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, so good news for the Penguins is that Jake Gensel won't be sidelined too long to start the season this year. Um, This guy's crucial to the Penguins' success. He's absolutely massive. Um, He needs to stay healthy. That's the bottom line. But in the short term, because he is going to miss probably a few games to start the season – who would you say has to fill those gaps in his short absence? That's a good question.
2: I, Riley Smith is going to take one of those top six left wing spots. I would guess he's going to start with Evgeny Malkin. But for the other one, Cindy Crosby, I kind of think you might see a little bit of some musical chairs there. Maybe it's someone like a Drew O'Connor who just signed to avoid arbitration, which opened up the buyout window to allow the Penguins to get Eric Carlson. He had five goals, 11 points this past season. bit of a younger player, could maybe use some more minutes. See what he can do for a few games up there. I don't think it can hurt. Again, if he's only expected to miss the first couple of weeks, five to six games. What can that really hurt? If you're asking me, maybe it's someone like, I don't know, Vinny Henestrosa, who they signed. You have Andreas Janssen, who they brought in, who has – had a history of being around Brown 1520 goal scorer throughout his career was really good with the Devils as well. You know, maybe it's someone like I don't know, you know, does Matt Nieto sign up? Does Noah Chari go up there? There's gonna be a pretty good competition to see who is going to take Gensel's role for those first five to five to six games. And I'm really curious to see what it'll happen. I do think O'Connor is the best option right now in terms of players from the bottom six. I think he deserves at least a small look for those first few games now. I don't think I would have him in the top 6 when everyone is healthy. I think that's a little too much task to right now, but in terms of seeing what he can do to start the season in Gensel's absence, I would give him free reign up there and you know, we all know Sidney Crosby has a history of elevating players above their skill level a little bit. I think that can definitely happen here as well.
0: I hope Vinny Henestroza makes it Hunter. I went to high school with him. I had That's cool. geometry with him. When I was I was a freshman and he was a sophomore, then he left to go to – he played for Waterloo, and then he ended up playing for Notre Dame and getting drafted by the Blackhawks and all that. So if you can push the narrative as one of the head people in the Penguins community that Henestrosa should make the team and be a contributor, that would be much appreciated by us small-town folks from Illinois.
2: I will, I will let Mike Sullivan know that he should have him make the team, and I'll also <laughs> talk to Kyle Dupas for you as well. Yes,
0: I need him on the first line with Crosby and Rust.
2: I know. I mean, I remember he, he signed only a few weeks ago. The depth battles at camp are going to be fun. There's not too many spots up for grabs right now, but the ones that are, especially in the bottom six, that's going to be a fierce competition. Yeah. You got Connor, you got Alex Nylander, you got Vinny Henestrosa, you got Andreas Janssen, you got a couple other players down there. I mean, they signed Matt Nieto down there as well. That competition is going to be super fierce. scout. other players. Most Sam Poulin is coming back from his mental health issues. Valtteri Poussin is getting close to maybe being ready for NHL minutes. Uh, camp is going to be a lot more fun than it normally is for the Penguins. Usually when you think of Penguins training camp, almost every single roster spot is settled because, you know, they're in win now mode. But for this year, even though they are in win now mode, you have honestly, you know, Two, three spots up for grabs, especially also when you look at that number six defenseman spot. You know, who's going to take you on Ruto's spot? I mean, I would say Chad Ruto right now, but maybe that's Ty Smith. Maybe that's a Mark Friedman. There's a few good training camp battles that have to take place next month.
0: Absolutely, I hope uh, we get together in the Prospect Challenge. The Devils and the Penguins are usually the two Metro teams that are up there in Buffalo with Ottawa and the Bruins and Montreal. I think it is. So I'm um, excited for the Penguins portion of that to be interesting. They're usually the least exciting team because they've been winning cups and not really caring about the Prospect Challenge. We're like on the Devils side. We're like excited for Luke Hughes and Jack Hughes, and the Buffalo Sabers are excited for Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin throughout the years. Um, but it'll be fun. Frank, do you have anything else? for hunter
1: before we let him go hunter i'm gonna put you on the spot here who's your favorite to win the cup this year
2: who favorite to win the cup who man, yeah, that's good um i'm gonna go with the dallas stars
1: all right. To go to Dallas stars, I, like I think the thing. Star
2: the Devils are right up there too. They are a Stanley Cup contender this year and it pains me to say that because <laughs> it's just annoying playing against them with how fast they are now. They're That's a, it's intense. <laughs> that's a really good team. They did well. I was I thought, Vinny, I thought the Devils were cooked when they lost the first two games to the Rangers and then they just blew them right out the rest of that series." That was very impressive of a comeback, but I think they're up there, but I'm going to go with the Stars. Jason Robertson had one of the best seasons. And I don't think anyone is talking about it. He was unreal this year. Rupe Hintz is awesome. Miro Haskin is one of the best defensemen in the league. Jake Ottinger is also one of the best goalies in the league. You have Jamie Benn who had a renaissance this past year. Tyler Sagan is still kicking. You combine that veteran leadership with those younger players and you have the goalie. That is going to be a team that is going to be a very tough out. And I think you know, heading into this year, this may be a hot take, hot take, excuse me, outside of the golden Knights who obviously are the defending champs. And they're also a contender. I have the stars as my Stanley cup favorite heading into the year.
0: The funny thing is you said that on the perfect podcast. I I don't know if I've ever seen. And Frankie's girlfriend, Giovanna writes for the Dallas stars for fan sided. So it's, it's just so funny that you (laughs) brought them up and named them as your favorite, but I don't think I've ever seen a team. Imagine if right now, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang became the depth players on Pittsburgh, and they had all these young players come up and be the new stars. That's exactly what happened there in Dallas. You saw Ryan Suter and um, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn. These are all depth players now on the Dallas Stars. And in one draft, they drafted their new leading scorer, Robertson, Heis- their new number one defenseman in Heiskanen, and their star goalie, all within the first two rounds. And I, I told Frankie's girlfriend kind of as a half joke, like devils, devils, stars, Stanley cup final this year. Like, wouldn't that be something crazy, but Hey, I like to pick a lot.
2: That would be a lot of fun as a final two very fast teams two teams that have a lot of young and elite talent. I mean, I would sign me up for a final like that any day of the week. I would, I would be biased and say a penguin stars final. Cause one of my really good friends is a massive Dallas stars fan. And that would be pretty fun to see. But yeah, I mean, Both teams are going to be really good. The stars, though, I mean, you said it best, Fanny. The drafting that they've done, as Sagan and Ben, excuse me, have gotten older, is just unreal because some of these guys were not even first-round picks. They found them in the later stages of the draft, and usually at that point, it's just magic beans, but they have hit on those magic beans really nicely, and that team is going to be awesome yet again.
0: Thank goodness, like, the Rangers didn't hit really well on their picks because, like, they have Fox and they have Miller, and then, like, if Lafreniere and Kako lived up to being one and two and they had Panarin, Crider, Zibanejad as, like, their older players, they, they would be the Eastern Conference version of the Dallas Stars. But it really hasn't panned out that way, which is good for guys like us. The Penguins have, ask Frankie, forever been the only Metropolitan Division rival that I actually like and cheer for when they're not playing the Devils. And I have tweets to prove it. Um, but Hunter, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show. It has been an absolute pleasure talking Pittsburgh Penguins hockey with you. If there was a way to promote yourself in any way, anything you're currently doing, any projects you're excited about now is the time to do so.
2: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow Locked on Penguins on Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. You can also subscribe to the show on YouTube. We've gotten over 150 new subscribers over the past few days. Thank you, Eric Carlson, by the way. Audio wise, we've gotten a lot of new listeners as well. So if you want to come on over, listen to the show, I would absolutely love that. Pat is my co host. You can follow him on Twitter at Synonym for Wet. We actually have a new episode that I'm going to post directly after this. We recorded right before I recorded with you all. But yeah, I mean, this has been a really fun week, and it's annoying that we're in the dawn days of summer, but I'm just glad that there is content to discuss when it comes to this hockey team, and I, these next couple of months are going to fly by. The season can't come fast enough.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Eric Carlson, for making hockey interesting to talk about on August the 9th. Without that, like, what I still say, what would we be talking about? Because the rest of our show doesn't have much like news. We'd be talking, oh, the Devils gave Cal Foot a two way contract today. Like, yay. They have two guys with the last name Foot now. We could call them feet. Um, Hunter, thank you so much for joining. It has been our pleasure.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Anytime you want to have me on, just let me know.
0: Absolutely. We'll be talking penguins at some point again in the near future. Everybody, make sure you go follow Hunter right now. And we would like to send you to period number two. The Pittsburgh goal. His first of the season scored by number 65, Eric Carlson. Assisted by number 87, Sydney Crosby. Oh, I can hear it now, Frank. Eric Carlson of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Go ahead. Bring up your negativity.
1: Let's go. Come on. I'm not negative. There's there's two things I agreed with Hunter, and there's one thing that I disagreed with Hunter. Mm-hmm. What do you want first?
0: Uh, just say you don't think they're going to make the playoffs. That's the thing you disagree The thing on. I disagree
1: on is that this trade making them just this overall just better team that's the thing i disagree with him on but the things that i do agree with him on is it it is very hard to win it's rare to win with this an old core like this like he said and this team is going to be fun to watch those are two things i agree with him it is going to be a fun team to watch listen eric carlson's a great defender but i just i don't think this was the right fit for him and and i don't think it's the right fit for the pittsburgh penguins right now the penguins are old they just got older and like by no means am I thinking that he's not going to have a good year. That has nothing to do with like his performance on the Pittsburgh Penguins. I just don't see this acquisition helping them boost them up to, to make the playoffs and, and whatnot. So that that's what I'm trying to get at here. I mean, he's 33 years old. He's not considered hockey old yet, but he's getting there. You know, I'd like to see him. Sign with the team with the that's a bit more competitive, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are competitive. Just because they missed the playoffs by one point doesn't make them not. But there are teams out there that, in my eyes, were better foot, uh, better fit for him. That it just made more sense in my mind, right? I mean, this kind of has the vibe of when Flurry came to the Blackhawks, and by no means are the Penguins and the Hawks the same rosters at the time. Were they the same? But it just it's got that vibe where everybody hyped it up. And then it just, it failed. And, you know, and like I said, I know those teams were completely different, but it's, it's, it's almost like they're trying to suck every last ounce out of this core, which they should, but it just, I just don't think it's going to go their way. And, you know, he's, he's not a defensive defenseman. You don't get a hundred points by being a defensive defenseman. He's going to produce on offense a little bit more. And because of that, I could see the goaltending being a bit of an issue here, right? Last year, Jari was hurt for a good portion of the year. And if he can't stay healthy, I don't like Nedeljkovic as a backup. I think it would have been smarter to tighten up the back end a little bit in the goaltending department. Um, I don't mean trade away, Jari, but, you know, I just think there were things they could have helped tighten up in that area of the game a little bit more. But they're not very deep. And just overall, I, I kind of see the Penguins having a down year and missing the playoffs once again. I, I actually don't even think they get 90 points this year.
0: Wow. So for me, it's not just the Carlson trade. That was, I thought they had a good off season up to this point and they were a better team than they were at the end of, you know, two months ago. Mm -hmm. And then they added the guy who had a hundred points from the back end. And that kind of like made me be like, okay, they probably are the fourth best team in the metropolitan division. Now, maybe even third, depending on how the New York Rangers play this season. Like I, I get it. You're probably a little salty. You didn't go to the Carolina hurricanes, that's the type of team that you thought he was going to go to a team that's ready to win the Stanley cup right now. Him and Burns have been on the same team before and it hadn't worked out quite the same. I I honestly, I do think it would have worked out if the sharks were a little less old in other areas of the ice. And I'm not talking Crosby or Malkin old, I'm talking Thornton and Marlowe old, but um, and losing Pavelski and stuff like all sorts of those types of things. But the reason I don't know what it is. I I love Nolachari. He helped Florida. He helped every team he's gone to. He went to the Leafs this past year and made them better, and I love that addition for them. I think Matt Nieto has been unreal as a bottom six forward in his NHL career. That makes them tougher to play against. Riley Smith, fresh off a of Stanley Cup where he was incredible for them, and now he's going to play for the Penguins. He'll probably play with either Sid or Geno, and that might even improve his offensive production in the regular season Crosby and Malkin's resurgent year – well, Malkin's resurgent year last year. Crosby's always been a dog, getting 90-plus points basically every year. Um, th- those things happening last year give me reason to believe it will happen again this year. Same thing for Letang. Um, Jari is a little bit of a question mark. He was an all-star that, that one point pretty much when you first started coming on the show, Jari was like, you know, a top flight goalie in the NHL. And if he gets back to that, I, I could really see the Pittsburgh Penguins having an improved team. I love their people are ripping on their defense because they don't realize how good Peterson is. He's their third best defenseman, but he's their best defensive defenseman. Like I'm like, if you rated players zero to hundred, I would rate him in the mid nineties. I think that highly of him as a defensive defenseman. And if they put him with Carlson, or if they put Graves with Carlson and Peterson with Letang, I think that's probably actually the way that they'll go. And Graves was great for the Devils this season. And now he's going to the Penguins. I don't, didn't love the contract, but for this upcoming season specifically, I mean, who are the competitions in the Eastern Conference? Because I, I think you're going four and four again from each, each conference. I think you're going Florida, Toronto, Boston, and Tampa, and you're going New Jersey, Carolina, New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, like the Capitals are worse. The Islanders are worse. Um, the Blue Jackets are better, but I don't think 40 points better. Um, and Philly's probably worse, which is saying something because they were really bad last year. Um, who oh, Am I missing anybody else from the Metro? I don't think I am. And then from the Atlantic, the the only way I could see Pittsburgh missing is if Ottawa or Detroit take this like huge step and I, I see them taking a step and being like a 90 point team but coming up just short because to be honest I I see good things out of this Pittsburgh Penguins team I don't know why I, I wasn't high on them two weeks ago and then I'm, I'm looking at the additions last night in preparation for the show and I'm like they got a Chari and Nieto and we already knew about Riley Smith what if they find Tatar they really might then it's like, okay, this Pittsburgh Penguins team, can they make the playoffs? Can they win a round? I mean, you know, it, sneak into the playoffs. Anything could happen as we saw with Florida. Um, I don't know. It's varying thoughts here. I think both people make valid points on each side. I don't – Eric is old, er, for a defenseman who just had a resurgent season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there were a lot of years in between Norris trophies, but he's healthy. Uh, you know, his ankle was giving him trouble for basically every year since the first year in San Jose. And he even had a problem with it in his last year in Ottawa. You might remember he was playing on a broken leg in Ottawa at the conference finals. And yeah. who did they lose to? Sidney Crosby's Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, as long as Sid is on a team, I think they have a chance to be competitive. You throw in Eric Carlson with Latang and Malkin, and um, I'm kind of in on the Penguins right now. Like, do I think they're better than the Devils and the Hurricanes? No. I don't love the Rangers going forward. I like the their best players are on the older side and they're not Crosby and Malkin. And their younger players haven't stepped up the way that a Dallas has or anything like that. Pittsburgh's not relying. They have one or two years left. I'm not denying that. I could see them being like draft lottery bad in short order. And it's gonna be like the Devils where they're like in that mix for five or six years. But I don't know. I like this trade for Pittsburgh.
1: Sometimes, this is going to sound weird, I feel like too much talent is not necessarily a good thing. I think this is one of those situations where it doesn't, just because opposing teams are going to get more pucks on net with Eric Carlson there. I mean, he's an elite defender, but they are going to get more shots on net. He's not a defensive defenseman. And because of their goaltending questions that I have, That's the main reason here is why I don't see him making the playoffs. Do they have a ton of talent up front? Absolutely. The acquisitions they made make them a threat offensively. But Hunter also stated, and I agree with him, their bottom six is probably not going to be scoring a ton this year. And because of that, the top two lines are going to have to chip in more. And I really don't see this team playing a bunch of, five, four games, four, three games. I think we're going to see him play a lot of three to twos, three to one, two to one games. So we'll see if, you know, his little step back he takes defensively impacts the Penguins in any way.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering whoever comes out of the lineup for him, Ruda. Is Carlson worse defensively than Ruda? Slightly, maybe. But is he better than him offensively? like a lot, like that might make up the difference. And I don't, I do think I'm trying to think of the last time he had a elite defensive defenseman as his partner, Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic with San Jose, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he, he played with Burns a lot. So like Brennan Dillon, when that was the top four in Pittsburgh or in San Jose with Brent Burns. Um, I don't know. I think either Graves or Peterson, will probably be the one of the better defensive defensemen he's ever played against in his life. And like Hunter stated, Evgeny Malkin might like playing with a, he a might. defenseman like this before. Or I would actually put Carlson on the ice with Sid more often because I think Sid is more responsible defensively than Geno. Um, and then you use Latang with Malkin for the first time in decades. And you could cook. I don't know. They're definitely going to be exciting, though.
1: I'm excited to watch them. They're going to yeah. be more fun, for sure. The first game that
0: counts this season for the Penguins, you will watch. Yeah, I will watch against the Blackhawks. Against I'm the excited. Chicago Blackhawks. I am excited to watch Bedard go up against that new core four <laughs> that they got there. Kyle Dubas always has a core four. Everywhere he goes goes it's a really a core competitive four. game, too. 100%. And it's the first game of the season. Both teams are going to have adrenaline going through. But, Frank, that was a fun Pittsburgh Penguins conversation. I like talking Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, they're one of my favorite teams in the NHL when they're not playing the Devils. They're the only division rival I would say that I, like, like. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, if if the Devils moved out of New Jersey, like, if they ceased to exist, uh, Pittsburgh's name would be in the hat of teams I move allegiances to. Like, absolutely i'm really a big fan of that organization um what else do you want to talk about you want to talk some top 10 wings sure all right so my number one is timeout um my number two is probably wing stop really uh no it's definitely not nice. <laughs> i just was coming up with wing i like wing stop i'm not a I big do fan. really
1: no not the,
0: the you're fan. you're a saucy guy though
1: yeah
0: i'm a saucy guy too but for some reason, I'll give Wingstop the pass. I like the crunch of their wings. Okay, um, that's fair. But um, for the most part, I would pick a sauce, so- and that's why I like Timeout so much. Elite sauce, crunchy. When you eat them there, oh, um, course. yeah. Any any saucy wing will get uh, soggy if you don't eat them quick enough. Mm. Um, Frank, let's start with the left wings. Of course, for those of you who are fans of the show and watch the show frequently last week, we did the top 10 goalies and yep. top 20 defensemen.
1: No
0: top 10 of both top
1: five goalies, top, top 10 five goalies,
0: top 10 defensemen this week. We're going to do the top 10 left wings and the top 10 right wings. And then next week we're going to do the top 20 centers, um, The reason we do five for goalies is because there is a there's a top six, I think, in the NHL for goalies and then everything else after you can just argue for days. Um, Frankie's number seven might be my number 13. Um, If Jari has a good year, he could be seven. Right. Mm -hmm. But if he has a stinky year, he could be 20. Right. Um, The NHL's wingers a little more. I think most of our names are going to line up with each other. There will be a different order. I doubt you have my number one. I'll be sh- stunned if you have my number one. And I'm going to argue for my number one on left wing, of course. On right wing, I don't think it's close. But um, you don't think I'll have your number one on left wing? Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Wow. I'll be shocked if you do. Then it must be somebody like way out there. It's really not. You, like, you'll like you understand, but you're not going to pick them. You'll have them third or fourth or something like that. But like I'm you ready. You think to, our I'm top ten on. are the.
1: Are the same? No. No, I'm not saying in the same order. You don't think we have the same 10 guys? No. I'd be a
0: little surprised. Now, I do want to say, I don't know if you have him on your list. I left off Stutzlaw because he's a center. I don't have him on my list. Okay. He would be on my list if he was included, but he's a center. And I do not have Gabriel Landeskog. I don't either. Because he is not playing this season. He would would be on the list had he be playing this season. He'd actually probably be middle near middle favoring top if he were available, but he is not. So with that, I can't wait to hear who you got with the top 10 left wings in the NHL. Frank, the floor is yours. Oh, we'll go. We'll go one to 10 like last week.
1: So just do one. Right. Didn't we do the top first? Yeah, 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 but you just want me to do the first player.
0: Yeah, just the first player, like we did last
1: week. We'll we'll go down the list. I mean, to me, I didn't think it was close either, so I don't know. I'd be kind of surprised if he wasn't your number one, but I know he's getting older, but I got Alex Ovechkin as my number one. I mean, he's not the man he used to be, but he's still lethal, and the amount of goals that he puts up each and every night I just, I felt like it was the right answer to go. I mean, I don't know. I, there was not much to say here. That's why I'm kind of surprised. Like I don't see a world where you didn't have him at number one.
0: Yeah. He's not in my, he's not in my top four. Wow. I love, he's, I fir- firmly on the, he breaks Gretzky. I mean, he's going to go 40 this year, then twenty, 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 20 record broken with ease. He might go 40, 30. Then it's broken next year. Like, Holy shit. Like, I honestly believe that. Right. Um, I think he's like 70 away. So if he, if he surprises and has a 50 burger, he could break it at the end of next season. Like, I absolutely think that's possible. I don't have him at one. I thought you were going to say my guy, though, when you started talking about him getting a little older. I think the best left wing in the NHL, if I can put anyone on the Devils right now to play left wing, it would be Brad Marchand. I, I, I think the world of what he does, he can put up points. He pisses you the hell off. He's a complete a-hole out there. He, he could have 100 points if he's playing with the right people. Um, I think playing with Patrice Bergeron and, you know, a couple other guys, one of them might be named later in this segment, um, you know, those things have helped him, of course, but I think he has helped them. I think he helps Patrice Bergeron have a offensive resurgence in the second portion of his career. And basically from the world cup of hockey on in 2016, that that's when Brad Marchand went from being like a 60 point player to a 100 point player from that moment on, when he was playing with Sid at the world cup of hockey and he scored the, the championship winning goal there. um, He's been an elite player and there is not a winger. I would rather have, there's, there's two wingers in general. I'd, re- or no, there's right wings a little bit more stacked than left wing. There's, I, Marshan would actually probably be like fifth on my right wing ranking. But in terms of left wing, he is by far my number one. And I think it's just the way he does everything. He, he's probably the best penalty killing winger in the NHL because he can score. I, I, and I used to tell Joey, our old podcast mate, um, if you could. If you plucked Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand off of the Bruins and put them on any team in the NHL, that team is automatically a playoff team. Obviously, that's not the case anymore, but this was five years ago. Like, if you took them and put them on any team, that team is now a playoff team at minimum. And that's because they kill penalties. They're good defensively. Brad Marchand is wonderful defensively he is no liability whatsoever which is crazy for a guy who can have 100 points the offensive numbers were slightly down last year because he missed the first you know month or and a half of the season recovering from a surgery still basically a point per game player his entire you know prime and i can't say as of right now i'm not positive he'll be number 1 next year because it's going to be interesting to see um, how the Bruins are this year and how he does without Bergie for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, going into the season, I'm rolling with Brad Marchand as the best left winger in the NHL.
1: I don't hate it. I didn't think you'd hate it, but it's interesting. Um, all right. Number
0: two. You don't have any. Resp- oh, you'll, you'll get to your response on Marshan when, if he comes up on your list, mm-hmm. um, my number two, this man, He plays for a team I'm fond of. They would also be in the hat of teams I cheer for full-time if the Devils ceased to exist. He's probably the most talented forward in their franchise's history. I'm going with a man. He's one of the two men who have had a nickname of The Thrill. I'm going with Kirill The Thrill Kaprizov as the second-best left wing in the NHL. He might be one. If uh, if Marshan didn't like do everything offensively, he's one. He like Marshan gets under people's skin and kills penalties. Kaprizov is just the definition of a super duper star. 40 goals, 60 assists in his sleep. Last year had a slow start, finished off strong as possible, was great in the playoffs, leads the wild in scoring no matter what. Always. Um, I think the world of Kirill, the thrill. And he is my number two left wing in the NHL.
1: Our lists are pretty different. Um, number two for me I got Jason Robertson you know he's only been in the league three years but he's had back to back 40 goal seasons got 109 points last year he's getting to his potential and that's three years into his NHL career and he's already putting up those numbers he is on a threatening team I only think he's going to get better and that's why I have him at number two very good my number three is Kirill Kaprizov much like Jason Robertson three seasons in the NHL, more than a point per game player, I believe. So, I mean, he's always going to be a threat to score 40 goals, much like Robertson. However, I just think um, Dallas, in my opinion, is a little bit of a better team. I think that um, his potential won't be reached as quickly as Robertson has, even though he's been great. He's already had a hundred point season, but that's why I had Robertson above him and I have Kirill Kaprizov at three.
0: I thought about putting Robertson one. And then I talked myself into Marshan and Kaprizov being a tick above. I could see Robertson. If Robertson, he fell off in the playoffs a little bit. I think he was hurt. Um, but he got better in the conference finals. Um, but in the first two rounds, I mean, especially the first round, he was against the Wild. He was borderline invisible, uh, except for the one game. Um, but I have him at three. I, like I think the world of him. He could be one next year. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the Dallas stars got him in the second round, I mean, like they rebuilt their team on the fly in that one little draft there. And Robertson is truly one of the best uh, players in the NHL. I see he'll break a hundred points again, lead the lead, a Stanley cup contender, a Stanley cup favorite um, in scoring. I think the world of Jason Robertson, and it's probably one of the more stunning rises to stardom Mm -hmm. I've seen in the NHL. I mean, Dallas star like Diehard's knew who he was as a prospect. I certainly did. I, I wanted the Devils to take him um in the second round that year. Shit going back. You know, he'd be top 5, I think. Like he might even, McCarr would go one and then you could argue between him, sure. and Peterson for the second overall pick. Oh, and Heiskanen. When the Dallas star. the Dallas Stars got two of the or three of the six best players from in that entire draft in the yeah. first two rounds with Ottinger and Robertson. So Absolutely. shout out to Robertson. He's incredible. Um, I have the number four um, winger in the NHL. I put Brady Kachuk. Brady Kachuk is one of two players last year to have 80 plus points and a hundred or more penalty minutes. The other one is someone he knows fondly that we will get to. I'm certain on the right wing portion of our list, but um I think the world of him, he's kind of like a diet Martian. If he was number one one day, I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's annoying. He's a dickhead. Um, you know, he goes out there and he fights. He goes out there and he's rude to the opponents. He doesn't give a crap. Um, and he scores a crap ton of points. If you if you get flustered by him, just like Marshan, he's going to burn you. And he could kill penalties. He could basically do it all. As of right now, he is diet cola Marshan um if he ever finds a way to become regular soda marshan which i think is very possible the ottawa senators could be a stanley cup contender and they will have one of the premier left wings in the nhl it's funny left wing it is a little bit weaker than right wing right now it was so much stronger than right wing mm-hmm. freaking you know 10 years ago um uh, when zach parisi and you know guys like that were leading the way in left wing it was so much deeper than it is right now but i, I all the all 10 of these guys that were each of us are going to name between us two will probably have around 12 or 13 players named and all of them deserve to be here all of them are great and i feel the same way about brady kachuk at number four for me
1: my number four is a name you already said i got brad martian one of the most consistent players in the nhl if this was three years ago he'd probably be top three but for me I mean, he produces, but not as much as some of the other talent that have come into the league since then, which is why he had to be bumped to four. Um, The past 10 seasons, he's scored at least 20 goals, which is incredible because, you know, you never know if you're going to get injured and whatnot, and that hinders your goals. But he's managed to score at least 20 goals in the past 10 years, and five of those years he had 30 goals. Like I said, he's one of the most consistent players in the NHL and one of the main reasons as to why the Bruins continue to stay competitive.
0: That was your number five, correct? No, my four. That was your four. Okay, go on with your number five. My
1: number five, I'm going to go with Artemi Panarin. He's a consistent 90-point-plus player. If you can get, if you have 90 points all the time, love to have that on your team. He's a guy who also makes other players around him better, hence why he gets so many assists. Struggles a bit when it comes to scoring goals, but you know assists are theoretically goals. They're just not your goals. So he makes guys around you better consistent 90 point player. Like I said, I love the way he plays and uh, I got him at five.
0: I'll get to something with him in a minute that I think can be coached and he could be even higher on both of our lists. But at number five, I have the grade eight, Alexander Ovechkin. I think Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer who ever lived. I think he's the greatest winger who ever lived. Um, Time has passed him by a little bit in terms of getting to 120 points, like some of these other gurus that we've named so far. Um, He stands in his office, though on the power play and he claps one T's like nobody's business. I still don't understand how nobody found a way to like stop him on the power play. But if he found Mm -hmm. a way to stop him on the power play, he'd go find other ways to score. We've seen him score from around the net. We've seen him use wrist shots. It's not just always the slap shot, but he scores around 20 power play goals every single season. And I don't really see that stopping anytime soon. The injury bug hasn't really hit him much in his NHL career, and he is thirty-seven years old or thirty-eight years old. Kind of caught a little bit of something at the end of last season, and that slowed him down from getting to fifty. But he put up another forty burger again, and he kind of didn't really feel like it. No, like it kind of felt like a down year for Ovechkin, and he still put up forty something goals. It's like this guy is a machine, and if somebody on the Capitals can just, you know, figure it out assist wise, like if Kuznetsov can get back to being the old Kuznetsov, or if they could trade for a playmaker or if Car- if John Carlson could stay healthy this season, I could see Ovechkin getting right back up there to 50. Um, the reason he'll probably remain five, even if he scored 50 this year, he'd probably still be around five on my list next year because he's not necessarily making players around him better anymore. He helps you win games because he scores goals and that's the most important thing in hockey. Right. But um I, I'm not necessarily certain he's the kind of guy who makes others around you better. What keeps him so high on the list is the fact that he is a threat to score every minute of every day. And I cannot wait. When Ovechkin is sitting on 894 and the next one does it, um, don't try to make plans with me. I don't want to, the answer is no, I'm watching the Washington capitals or whatever team he's on at that point in time. It probably will be the capitals. He signed a, he basically signed a break Gretzky's record contract. Right. It was a four year deal. He burned one of it. He's about 60 goals, 70 goals away. However many it is, um, need a couple hat tricks this year. OV though. Let's go. Um, my number six. We have most of the same list so far, just in a little bit different order. I have the bread man, Artemi Panarin, chopped off the salad. Don't know if you saw that picture going viral of him. He chopped off the salad. He is basically bald right now, and he has a sick um, little balding thing going on here. He's got the peninsula coming out. Like, <laughs> Artemi, I don't know why you cut your hair, dude. Um, if you're going to cut it, you just got to go straight bald, because now you have literally Florida hanging out right here. Um... But, uh, you know, he's an incredible playmaker. And my issue with him, shoot the damn puck, Artemi. He holds on to it. Like, wow. I, I watch mm-hmm. him a That's lot. Annoying. He's a freaking Ranger, and he was a Hawk before that. And he was a, he was either a Black Hawk, which is a top five most watched team of mine, or a Devil's Division rival his entire career. Yeah. So I've seen him play a lot. Shoot the damn puck sometimes, Artemi. You get a crap ton of assists. I would take off. I would take off. 10 artemi panarin assists for him to have eight more goals you know like like mm-hmm. score he, he's got such a great shot i don't know if it was the early years of playing with kane and just this natural um deferring mentality but he he makes great passes and he's got 90 plus points basically every single season um he he works great with Jet on the power play um, I think the world of Zibanejad, I can't wait for the top 20 centers list. I'm probably going to have him so much higher than you, and I can't wait to argue why Zibanejad should be higher. But the way Panarin feeds him, cross-ice feeds on this power play of the Rangers is sensational, and, you know, I, I love Artemi Panarin. I
1: think great, great, great player. I like your pick. That was your six, right? Yes. My sixth is uh, a little interesting. He definitely would have been maybe at this spot for you last year. Took a dip this year. but I'm going to go Jonathan Huberto. There's a reason Kachuk and him were traded one for one. They're elite players. He just didn't show it this last season. He had a 60-point differential compared to his 115-point season. Only had 55-point season this past year. But we know the skill level is there for him. He just didn't get there. I'm not going to let one lousy season tarnish him. I still see him as a top six left wing in my eyes. But, you know... If he gets back to the way he he was, then I mean, I'm sure he'd be higher on a lot of people's list.
0: We didn't have two players or no. There was one team with two defensemen last week. The yeah. Avalanche. I included Taves and McCarr. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: there's no team with two on my list today, either of them, I don't think. Um, there's a couple teams with both, left wing and right wing. Um, but no team has two left wings or two right wings. The Minnesota wild could have or no. Were you supposed to go with number seven? Oh wait. Yeah. Sorry. Six. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Sorry.
1: I was about to go into my seventh. I started, but my seventh is I'm going to go with Johnny Gaudreau. He still managed to get 74 points last year on one of the worst teams in the NHL. He didn't have help around him either to make him get to those 74 points. Um, which that makes him a superstar in my eyes. You don't need anybody else around you to make you good. We saw we did, he did the year prior on a much better team, scoring 115 points. And out like an outburst like that will come. It's coming once again when the Blue Jackets improve. And uh, I just felt it was right for him to have him at seven.
0: Yeah, I like the pick. Um, so where I was going with seven, um, I think the Wild could have had two guys on this list but the Parisian and Suter contracts forced them to trade one of them Kevin Fiala of the Los Angeles Kings is firmly one of the best wings in the NHL he's probably like one of the most underrated players in the NHL I think he's incredible and point per game player year after year lately and Nashville even let him go um, I think it was was it Nino Niederreiter for no it might have been Mikhail Granlund who we talked about a lot because he was involved in the Eric Carlson trade. Uh, Kevin Fiala, I think he's going to probably go off this year with Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I'm excited. Or or Kopitar again. We'll see what happens Uh in terms of their line combinations. That's up to the coaching staff of the Los Angeles Kings. But I think Kevin Fiala is amazing, and I think he's a top-ten winger in the NHL. I have him right now at seven. At number eight, I am going to go with a man – who plays in Winnipeg. I'm not sure he's going to spend his whole career playing in Winnipeg, but I think if he were to get back to having like a true top flight center again, um, which he had a good year last year, he's always basically had good years and he's one of the more underrated players in the league as well. I'm going with Kyle Connor. I think Kyle Connor is incredible. Um, point per game every year. He's kind of got a little bit of power forward in him. He's a little nasty. He can muck it up if he needs to. But uh, as far as being a skill player, he is truly one of the best. So I think he is the eighth best forward or eighth best left wing in the
1: NHL. I like it. I like that pick a lot. My eighth is a man we mentioned on the show today with Hunter. I got Jake Gensel. Not many left wingers or players in the NHL could say they've had multiple 40 goal seasons, let alone two of them. The past two seasons for Gensel alone, he's got 76 goals. It's crucial to the Penguins. Not only that, but when it comes to postseason, he's in 58 postseason games, he's got 34 goals and 58 points. He's point per game in the postseason, and he's got a large sample size at that. He's clutch when it matters most. It's hard not to include Jake Gensel on the list. Number nine. My nine? Man, you just mentioned Kyle Connor. Love Kyle Connor. Five 30-goal seasons in a seven-year career one of those years he had 47 goals just knocking on the door of that 50 bomb and if you get 50 goals in a season you're up there you know you're you're phenomenal he's a great goal scorer but he isn't as complete as some of the other guys on this list however i still view him as a top 10 left winger in the nhl numbers aren't ev- anything or numbers aren't everything but it's hard to argue against it what we've seen from Kyle Connor in 7 years in the nhl
0: Absolutely. And my number nine is firmly Mr. Jonathan ice hockey, Johnny hockey, Johnny Goudreau, Johnny ham and cheese. Um, 70-something points last year with the Blue Jackets. Line A was missing for most of the season. So as you pointed out, it was basically just himself for most of the year. Yeah. If he gets Line A back healthy this year and they have a much improved top six, I think you know the Blue Jackets are actually going to have a really good year. I could see Goudreau getting back up to that 100-point range. He's already proven he could do it before. Um, even if he's in the sitting in the 90s, I think that'll be good for him. But I could absolutely see the 100-burger again. He reminds me of Robertson in terms of his um, rise. I guess I said I can't recall a player with a similar rise to stardom as Robertson. I just thought of one, Johnny Goudreau. Um, Second-round pick, was an outstanding college hockey player, and then all of a sudden, here he is in the NHL making his debut with the Flames, and he turned into a stud. He still is a stud, signed the big contract. It's hard in a first year with a team. We've seen that across hockey for a long time, and you brought up Huberto, who mm-hmm. did not make my list, but you know he's still one of the more supremely talented wingers in the NHL, and I think... Um, you know, he could get back on my list next year. He certainly was on it last year. Um, but you know, as far as Goudreau, I think he had enough of a sample size this past season with the blue jackets to warrant being in my top 10 at number nine. And my number 10 is a man very close to my heart, (laughs) very close to my heart. I think he has probably like the fifth best player on his team, which is saying something. Because, you know, they're a very deep team. Um, I think the world of Jesper Blatt. Jesper Blatt! Is one of the best players on the Devils. 73 points in each of the last two seasons. Just a model of consistency. Um, He's kind of like a diet Kachuk or a diet Martian. He likes to get under people's skins. He kills penalties. He's also extremely clutch. You need a big goal late in a game or in overtime. Mm -hmm. Jesper Brett always seems to be in the mix with a goal or an assist. He finally reaches 30 for the first time in his career last year. 30 goals. um, Which I think if the goals can stay where they are and he could pick the assist back up a tad. We could be talking about 80, 90 points. Um, The Devils are going to have lots of expectations on them next season. So we'll see how Jesper Bratt responds. He goes in spurts when it comes to scoring. He'll have 20 points in 10 games, and then he'll have five points in the next 10. But, I mean, just in terms of an overall season and overall player, Jesper Bratt is one of the best left wings in the NHL. He is the lowest drafted. Well, Panarin was undrafted. But out of all the non-drafted guys, and there's no Russia factor, Jasper Bratt is one of the most surprising of any top player in the NHL.
1: My number 10 is a man you mentioned earlier. You had a much higher than I did. But I'm gonna go with Brady Kachuk for the Ottawa Senators. It's hard to leave him not on this list. He had to make the top ten. For the second year in a row, he's only gotten better and set career highs in just about every any stat of his. Um, he's young and he's only getting better. And, you know, this, this Ottawa team's on the rise. And because of that, Brady's going to be on the rise once again for the third year in a row, most likely. And that's why I had to include him at number 10.
0: There you go. There you go. That's exciting. I, I think the world of Brady Kachuk, and he absolutely should be on the list. Frank, your list is good. You had Huberdo and read your final
1: three. Um, The ones that I... Well, you didn't
0: have Gensel. Gensel. I think that's it. I think we went eight for 10 again.
1: Which we did last week on the defense. Yeah, I had Brat and Fiala.
0: Yeah. You had everybody else I had also.
1: Yep.
0: And you had Huberdo and Gensel, which absolutely honorable mentions on my part. I'm sure my two are for you as well. Um, Are there any other honorable mentions that you got?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. I think we nailed it just about the the top stars. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, you could argue for other people, but I think what we have is fair for sure. Know?
0: Yeah, there's really not many holes in either of our groups. Uh, our top fives are pretty similar. Now, right wing. That's where things can get a little fishy.
1: I don't know. I think we'll be more in sync with right wing.
0: I do, too. I think there's more talent at the top. So do I
1: Um. towards the bottom. It gets a little hairy.
0: Yeah, I'll go first on the top 10 right wings on this one. All right. Um, I, I guess you can question this pick, but I really, I would be surprised if you did. I think the top number one overall right wing in the NHL right now is Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He is amongst the top scoring leaders every year. Did he come in third in scoring? this season behind McDusty and dry side. I'm pretty sure he was either third or fourth and for a winger to be that high and drive offense, like a centerman and be the heart and soul of an offense of a Stanley cup contender year after year and lead the playoffs and scoring and lead. He's got a heart trophy. He's got an art Ross trophy. Nikita Kucherov is the best right winger in the NHL. In my opinion.
1: I like it. I like it. Once again, we're right. I am Nikita Kucherov. He has three 100-point seasons. He's a consistent goal scorer. An Art Ross winner, a Hart Trophy winner, Stanley Cup, two-time Stanley Cup champ, future Hall of Famer at its finest, Nikita Kucherov at the top of the list. Not surprised there. Kind of had the same feeling we'd uh, we'd agree. It's hard to choose otherwise. I guess you could argue two. Like, two could be one, but it's got to be Nikita Kucherov, at least right now. Um, My number two, though, is I'm going to go with Matthew Kachuk. Kachuk proved he is one of the best wingers in the NHL just based off his performance of last year alone. However, if that wasn't enough, basically at the same year, the year prior, almost mere images of uh, the year previous and last year, the way his mind works, he likes to get under the skin of players. And you know, that adds to his success. That's, that's the game he plays and it works for him and he's able to do that and produce a hundred point season. So Matthew Kachuk's an absolute stud. A lot of people don't like him. I really am not a big fan of him, but I respect his gameplay, and that's why I have him at number two.
0: I think the world of Matthew Kachuk, and it would be stunning if he wasn't number two on either of our lists. You can argue number one. He came in third for the Hart Trophy. Um,
1: that's why I said. He could argue for a number one, but
0: yeah, yeah, I think the playoffs kind of have us on a little bit of a bias because we could easily put the guy I have third as number two. He did. He finished second for Hart trophy and he had significantly more goals, but I think the way he elevated his game towards the end of the season and his point total to end the season has him at number two. Um, I think, I think he's just Incredible. And I do think there's merit to the fact that he gets under people's skin. He's annoying. You hate him. Um, <laughs> I I can't hate him. I refuse to hate him. I like players like that. Um, I I used to tweet even, even when they weren't quite the superstars that they are now. I tweeted, I wish I could go to the grocery store and buy a Kachuk for the Devils go to a hockey player store. I would buy a Kachuk for the devils. I wouldn't buy a McDavid. I would buy a Kachuk because mm-hmm. they, they don't, they don't need a McDavid. Ne- I mean, every team needs McDavid necessarily, but um, you know what I mean? Like that oh, type yeah. of player would help push them over the edge. I think a tad bit more because the points are there. The grittiness is there. The a-holeness is there, Power PowerPoint penalty kill five on five um, coach's dream down a goal late up a goal late. Matthew Kachuk is out there. Um, you know, I think the world of this guy, great playoff performer gamer in the playoffs or oh, we're talking overtime winners. We're talking final minutes of regulation winners for Kachuk in the playoffs. Um, well, yeah, just the true definition of a heart Trophy candidate each and every year going forward. He is the nephew of Tom Fitzgerald, the New Jersey Devils general manager. Mm. Um, Tom Fitzgerald um, and their mom, I think, are s- siblings. Something like that. They're 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 related. That's um, so maybe one of them will be a devil one day. Probably not, because they're gonna not be able to afford them when all the Hughes brothers are paid. Um but yeah, Matthew Kachuk. My number three, Frank. My number three could be number two, and I would not argue it. I think one is a lock, two and three are interchangeable. It's David Posternock. David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins, the man known as Pasta, Spaghetti Man, whatever you want to call him. He's sick. 60 goals last season. Um, Hat tricks galore. I mean, this guy is the king of hat tricks. Um, He probably only scored in like 50 games, but all these hat tricks got him up to 60. And he is truly one of the reasons the Bruins were the team they were last year and he's also the reason i'm not necessarily certain that losing bergeron and creche makes them just as everyone has them not making the playoffs i think that's crazy just to think they're gonna drop 50 points from losing one centerman i i, I not when you have uh knock on the team he drives offense like a center he made bergeron better bergeron made him better no doubt but Pasternak is just unreal and I think the world of him, he offensively just a stud absolute menace in the offensive zone he kind of reminds me of Pavel Datsuk with more goal scoring just because his hands are so sweet and he can roof it from the backhand or the forehand things that most people can't do um, I, David Pasternak, third best winger in the NHL, could be third could be second, uh, maybe even first depending on your Love for Kucherov. I couldn't not put Kucherov one, but Pasternak is right there.
1: My third is probably the best goal scorer on this list, and I agree. It's David Pasternak. He's got 61 goals last year, Rocky Richard trophy in 2019-2020. He's a tremendous shots on net type of player, um, which I thought was interesting to find out that him and Ovi are the only players to reach 400 or more shots in a season in the salary cap era, which that just blew my mind. He loves to get pucks to the net. That's why he's the tremendous goal scorer that he is. And uh, it was only fitting to have him at third on this list. So we've gone three for three. Kind of figured this would be the way for the right winger list. That's a little more straightforward, at least near the top. My number four, I'm going with Miko Rantanen for the Colorado Avalanche. Finished third in the league in goals this past season with 55 goals. Plays on a team with a ton of talent. And because of that, I think he gets a little overshadowed. And he's a little you know, under the radar, just a bit. But he's very electric. The past six seasons, he's posted elite numbers. He's a key factor as to why the Avalanche continue to be Stanley Cup champions and won the Stanley Cup. Miko Rantanen's a stud, and there's a reason he scored 55 goals last year.
0: Yes, Miko Rantanen, the quietest 50 goal scorer of all time, is also number four on my list. Um, um, the Nate Daug, Landeskog, Makar, they all benefit from having Rantanen. He benefits from having all them too. You know, we, that, that's how hockey works, though. Elite players getting together and showing why they're elite together. And Miko Rantanen, I think he was the seventh overall pick. He went, uh, I'm pretty sure, eighth. He went a pick or two after the Devils took Zaka. Like, shoot me in the freaking face. But, um, you know, he's just unbelievable. He can shoot. He can pass. He can accept one tease from uh, from Mac Daddy. He can give Mac Daddy uh, perfect passes. Darts to the tape for one-timers on the power play with Makar at the top on the uh, quarterbacking the power play. It's, you know, unreal and just a treat to watch each and every day. I love Miko Rantanen. He's one of the most entertaining players in the league to watch. And at number five, I have the guys who round out like the elite playmaking right wingers in the league, the guys who drive offense like a center. um, And that's Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, 99 points, I think. We'll call him a 100-point guy. Um, just an unreal stud. He he passes more than he shoots. He can go on a 20-game point streak and have four goals in that span, um, which I'm pretty sure he did have like a large goal drought last year that he got a point in every single one of those games. Uh, the way he plays with Austin Matthews, and Austin Matthews is an incredible goal scorer, but Austin Matthews, in order to take a wrist shot in the NHL, that means you need to have a little extra time because that means it's on your stick just a little bit longer. Marner finds him in those areas where he can have that extra time and you know finds seams to get to other guys. There are other players. Um, there actually, I said there wasn't a team with two players on the list. There is one. Um, this team is one of them. But, um, I mean, Mitch Marner is just a superstar and – it's kind of crazy that he's number five. It goes
1: to Shaw deep. The right wings are in the NHL. Absolutely. MVP, we're five for five. Mitch Martner's is my number five. He's more of an assist guy than the rest of the players on this list above him. Um, the, the other guys, one through four, are a little bit of a mix of both. Don't get me wrong. He'll score his fair share of goals, too. But, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't take as many shots as he should, and he's more of an elite player who's used, who focuses on his defense also a little bit more, which is why I value Mitch Marner um, here, and I think he's he's perfect to be at number five, in my opinion. Um, Before what,
0: you get into number six, Selkie Trophy nominee, too. Yes. Unreal defensively, which is he's probably the best. Actually, he's probably the second best defensive winger on my top ten right uh, left, right wings actually probably either list right he's probably the second best defensive winger in the NHL so
1: he needs to shoot the puck a little bit more kind of like Panarin not as bad but you know he could he gets in his droughts a little bit but yeah his defense alone lands him at number five because of how much he produces on top of that as well now six I think this is where we start to differ a little bit I think our top five were the same but I think six through ten are going to switch around a little bit more. And I got William Nylander just because the past two seasons, he sits at 1.02 points per game. What that means is for two years in a row, statistically, the Maple Leafs are guaranteed one goal a game. Does that happen? No, they, they've been shut out. But statistically, not last
0: year. They weren't shut out last year? The Devils and the Maple Leafs were the only team in the I league think we never talked shut about out. That,
1: but I just, it's kind of slipped my mind. But what that means is you're guaranteed at least a goal every game. And he's not the only one on the team who's not guaranteed, or he's not the only one on the team who is over a point per game either. But having a guy like Nylander, along with your other elite players on the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's also now a member of the 40-goal goal club. I, I love Nylander here at number six. It, make, it made the most sense. It's rare that you see two players from the t- same team back-to-back, back. but... um. I don't know. Maybe you'll, you'll think the same as me, but I think this is where we differ a little bit.
0: We do differ just a tad. Everything you said about Nylander. I agree with, I would take Mark stone just ahead of him though, because I think what I saw from Mark stone, maybe there is some recency bias. He he's been injured in the regular season a little bit lately, and maybe that's why he's a little bit lower, but he he's Marion Hosa. He's a hall of famer. Mm -hmm. I I truly see Marion Hosa, with long curly hair and that's Mark stone and crazy curly hair, by the way, the salad on that guy's unreal. But um, the, the two way game, the clutch goal scoring, the captaincy, like just the way he led Vegas in the playoffs. He was right there for the Con Smythe trophy. Um, I can't wait to watch Vegas this year and actually appreciate them a lot more, even because of what I saw from them in the postseason. stone is just unbelievable two-way guy um he is i said marner was the second best defensive winger on either list stone is the best defensive winger on either list and he might be 70 80 points more than 90 100 points the same thing we're said about marion hosa though he's scoring 35 goals and it's very hard to even have the puck let alone score the puck when he's on the absolutely. ice absolutely And that brings me to my number seven. It is uh, Will Nye, the science guy, William Nylander. Will Nye, the hockey guy, I meant to say, Um, because his initials are Will Nye. You get the whole thing. Um, It's a Steve Dangle thing. William Nylander is unreal. I think this was his breakout season. He was a scapegoat in Toronto for a long time because people sometimes forget. Wow. If a guy's not number one overall, it's usually for a reason. He probably has to develop a little bit. Not everyone's Matthews who scores 40 in rookie year. Not everyone's Bedard who's going to score 40 in his rookie year. Some people take time to develop. Even their number one picks that take time to Nico Escher, right? Like guys Mm -hmm. like that. They, they take a minute to ferment and marinate a little bit. That was William Nylander. Now he's a superstar. He's the seventh best winger in the NHL, in my opinion. Just an absolute gamer, too. Um, there were a lot of nights this season. I watched the Leafs a lot. There were a lot of nights this season where William Nylander was the team's best player. And that's on a team with Tavares and uh, mm-hmm. Matthews and Marner. And they have Riley and all these guys who are just great. Um, love William Nylander there at seven.
1: Yep. My seven is Mark stone. You can expect Mark stone to also be a point per player game each year. Even if he doesn't always get there, which he hasn't in his career, you could still expect it from him. And not only that, but his defense, like you said, is incredible, but his leadership is also incredible. And he helped lead the Knights to a Stanley cup. Tremendous captain, tremendous leader in the locker room. Mark stone's great. And, um, He's very consistent too. So I like Mark stone at seven, my number eight. I'm going with the New Jersey devil himself, Timo Meyer. Meyer is a goal scorer that loves to throw his weight around. There are not many players in the NHL who produces the way Timo Meyer does. And also is as physical as he is. His uniqueness has landed him at eight on my list. And, um, I have a feeling based on your reaction, he's going to be right there with you, too.
0: I was hoping you'd say I'm at number eight. Give me fuel. Give me fire. Give me Timo fucking Meyer. I love this guy. The day the Devils traded for him, I was like, holy shit. They traded for a guy that already has 30 goals. He had 31 and he ended up getting the nine he needed with the Devils to become a 40 goal scorer this past season. You nailed it right on the head. He's kind of like a poor man Ovechkin. Minus the whole one-timer on the po- – I'm not talking about the style yeah. of goal scoring in terms of being a true goal scorer, a pure goal scorer, but he's also like the definition of a modern-day power forward. He drives yeah. the net. He's probably the best player in the NHL at driving the net with the puck. You know, McDavid, he's got his fancy dangles, and Jack Hughes, and Heischer, and McKinnon, all these guys are fancy schmancy. Timo Meyer, out of anyone in the NHL, could have played hockey in the 80s, right? The way he drives, the way he hits, 200 hits a season is a lock for Timo Meyer. And that's like old Ovechkin, where he would yep. pump out 40 plus, 50 plus, and have 250 hits. Timo Meyer's unreal. I still think there's another level he can get to with the devils. Their system is different than San Jose's. Their system is different. I don't think there's a team in the league that maybe the penguins that plays the same style as the devils in terms of transition defense into offense and needing speed in order to do so. Normally teams that play a speed game, just play a lot of North South, the devils they rely on Dougie Hamilton and Luke Hughes now, and all these guys to, you know, kind of stretch it out a little bit and, you know, it's just a lot of off the rush. And I think it, it took Timo. Timo Meyer scored. He was the first goal scored of any player on the team. When he got into the lineup, he scored the very next goal. So it didn't take him long to get that monkey off his chest. But I still think there's another level he can get to. Because when he got to the Devils, he was on pace for like 45, 50 goals. Mm-hmm. And he he ended on 40, uh, 40 or 41 And I I think a full training camp and a full preseason with this team. And he reaches heights that he can get to. um, And, you know, he might not have 100 points, but he'll have a crap ton of hits and he could score a crap ton of goals. And he's an imposing figure out there. And I think that'll benefit Hughes or Heesher, whichever one he plays with this season. But he's probably the player on the Devils outside of their top two number one pick centerman that I'm most excited to watch coming into this year. Wow um at number nine i have a guy i don't know if he's going to be on your list i hope he is because i think this team is pushing wagon status competitively bad coming into this year maybe even better because i think they have the second or third best prospect in the world Um, obviously Bedard is number one and I think Luke Hughes is right there with him, but Logan Cooley's Arizona coyotes are on the rise this year. So I would put their leading scorer from last year, Clayton Keller as the ninth best right winger in the NHL. He's just an absolute stud muffin and probably one of the most shocking injury returns of all time. He was in big trouble at the end of two seasons ago. And the fact that he came out last year on a bad team basically kept them from getting Bedard. And now we're going to get to see him play with Cooley because Cooley did decide to go there. And man, I'm excited for this Arizona Coyotes. team. once they get out of that college building, I think they're in really good shape with Keller leading their way. Wouldn't be too stunned if he was their next captain.
1: I thought about adding Keller to the list, but I do not have him on my list. Um, But he could be one of my honorable mentions. However, it's hard not to include this man. He's not what he once was, but I'm going with Patrick Kane. If this was a few years ago, he'd be top three. Number nine on my list now, Um, but it's hard not to include him. I mean, we can't ignore what he's done in the past. He had an off year last year, but I mean, he switched teams for the first time in his career. Very emotional for him. But before that, I mean, he, he was still, the year prior, he was still great, more than point per game. The Rangers wanted him for a reason. It didn't work out with the New York Rangers. But, you know, the potential is still there. His hands alone make him a huge threat. He's got some of the silkiest, smooth hands in the league. Um, and I got Patrick Kane at 9. I don't think he's going to round out your list and make 10, but it's all right. I, I had to give him the respect there. I felt it was necessary. And number 10, another ex-Blackhawk. I got Alex it. Still very young. Still developing. There's a lot that could, come out, that could come out of Dabrinkit on the Red Wings. We have seen what he could do when talent surrounds him. The Red Wings have a bunch of talent, but they're a lot younger, which could help him in the long run. I see uh, I see Detroit being a, a little resurgence for Alex Dabrinkit and, and really unlocking that full potential that we have yet to see or haven't seen in a while.
0: For sure. I like the Dabrinkit pick. Kane probably wouldn't even be in my top 20. Wow. Like uh, all time, three or four. But I mean, I did not like what I saw from Patrick Kane last year, offensively or defensively. He was basically, he was basically a forward version of Eric Gustafson last year. If he's not on the power play, he shouldn't be on the ice. Um, but at number ten, I have Travis Konechny of the Philadelphia Flyers. I think he is unreal, and I, I I hope I didn't sound like too much of a dick on the Kane thing. I just oh no, I did. Hey, that's what you believe. If if he if he was on my favorite team for 20 years, I might put him there as respect to like, I, I get it. I firmly get it. Um, I just, I worry about the injury and what, yeah. uh, you know, this is, this is for going forward. So for that reason, instead of including a guy like that, I included connectney Um, I think connectney is just an unreal player and he's on a bad team. I'm not sure. I don't know if he sees the rebuild through with the flyers. I'm actually going to guess. No, because I don't know if he necessarily fits the, the what's it called timeline, Um the matvej Mitchkov timeline. Mm-hmm. But um he's a good player, and I think if he gets on himself on a really good team with some really good centers, he's kind of like a power forward, like mean type, like a Kachuk type. Not quite as skilled, not quite as nasty, but he's up there. And, you know, high regards for Travis Konecki.
1: Fair. I like the list. We're there. Basically, we we're even the whole way until we got to six. But the, the the top five are pretty much. I feel like we got the right top five.
0: I think we got the right top five too, and we have eight again out of ten.
1: Yeah, that seems to be a trend.
0: <laughs> cause up, cause six and seven and eight, we just switched the order.
1: So maybe that means for the centers, we'll have. 16 out of
0: 20. I'm excited to hear how you order two and three for centers and four two three and four for centers Um, a couple other honorable mentions Adrian Kempe came close to being on my list Alex Tuck came close to being on my list I could see the work being put in there in Buffalo and he's their best winger so we'll see how that goes next year and then Cole Caulfield on the Montreal Canadiens sick since Marty St. Louis took back over with them so We'll see what happens um, with those guys if any of them could crack the list next year. But next week's top twenty centers list, where will you put Jack Hughes? Who are you putting second, third, fourth? Because I think there's a second, there's a clear second, third, and fourth. I just don't know what order. Right. Um, is Frankie dumb enough to put anybody other than McDavid number one? <laughs> Spoiler alert. No. Never know. Um, will Connor Bedard crack either of our lists? Um, will any team besides the Oilers have two centers in the top 20? Make sure you are ready for period number two of next week's show in order to find out. Can't wait. I'm going to probably start working on it, like, soon so I could really, like, make some cross outs and, you know, really, really think about this stuff because I think it's important we nail the top 20 centers more than anything. Okay. Um, there will be players – left off the top 20 list that would probably be like the sixth best winger on either side like what if nico he doesn't make the list chances are he does it for either of us Uh, you're gonna have to go through and look for yourself
1: you never know but
0: would you take he over meyer and brat yes you would they were both on our top wingers list so you know the center is very deep in the nhl um I'm excited to see where we go there. Frank, Should be interesting. Yeah. let's end the show with some bullshit in period number three. I've read a lot of video game content in the last handful of days. I mean, we got Pokemon out there, or as people over 50 would say, Pokemon. <laughs> um, saw people trying to tell me that they were going to announce a new Nintendo Switch at the Pokemon uh direct i'm like zero percent chance i'd be stunned shout out me correct um nhl 24 this is a hockey show um why did they put admits to on the ticket in their little picture thing does that mean two people are going on the cover they're going to put luke and jack Hughes. are they going to put brady and matthew kachuk i don't know there were two people on last year's cover zegris and um uh sarah nurse um frank I want to hear about everything. Oh, Modern Warfare 3. I'm back in on Call of Duty because I've been listening to Avenged Sevenfold on repeat, basically, (laughs) since I last saw you. Of course, Carry On and Not Ready to Die are part of that mix. Two Call of Duty legendary tracks on two legendary Call of Duty maps. Modern Warfare 3 is coming. I think think I'm just going to relive 2009 by listening to Avenged Sevenfold and playing Call of Duty and watching hockey. All November, because that's basically all I did those years from 09 to 13. I spent my Novembers playing Call of Duty, listening to Avenged Sevenfold and rocking some hockey. We're doing that again this year, and I can't wait. And it is time to get to more conversation on that by the Frankie led Frankie's video game corner.
1: Yeah, you nailed it with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. This is a big announcement. The teaser was really cool. Um, The teaser trailer, I don't know if you watched it, but it starts off with Modern Warfare 2 Green, and it's got dialogue from Captain Price and from one of the final scenes of the campaign in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And then it transitions into what appears to be the Modern Warfare 3... uh, Wait, did I say green? I said green, right? Mm -hmm. Modern Warfare 2 Green. And then it transitions to what appears to be the new Modern Warfare 3 Red. And, you know, things get a little kind of dark and maybe the red signifies blood or evil because then eventually later on after uh, Captain Price's dialogue's over, you hear uh, Makarov talk, who's going to be the antagonist in this game. It's going to be Price versus Makarov. And also you could insinuate that the green going to red modern warfare 2 transitioning to modern warfare three is also something that Activision confirmed, uh, about a month ago that your weapons, your operators, your bundles will carry over into modern warfare three. So maybe that's what it meant that maybe that's what it was signifying a little bit, but a lot of people are excited comes out November 10th. I'm excited. I love the modern warfare, um, franchise in call of duty as a whole. It's been great. And, uh, you know, price, He's a fan favorite in the Call of Duty community. It's going to be a good game. I'm excited. Maybe I have to start playing the campaign a little bit more because I've shied away from that over the past few years. Same. But But I think maybe I should, you know, really get back into it because it seems like the storyline is really, really good. I'm going to
0: interrupt you on one thing. Go for it. Do I need to? I didn't buy Modern Warfare or Modern Warfare 2. Mm-hmm. Do I go back and play the campaigns so I can be ready for this?
1: This, this is like a direct sequel to the Modern Warfare 2 campaign because I forgot the quote he says in the teaser, but he makes a quote in the teaser trailer that was from the end of Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2 about like cutting off the heads or burying somebody or whatever. And Makarov kind of mocks it and relays that message in it. So it's like it's almost kind of foreshadowing that Makarov hears the shit that Price is talking and he's ready to do battle and he will take no prisoners. Um, So, yeah.
0: Let's go. I'm, I'm stoked. I, I have Modern Warfare 1 unopened and I can freaking bust it out. And I was going to return it and get two just because I wanted to play multiplayer. Might just keep it now and freaking play the campaigns and screw multiplayer.
1: I mean, yeah. The, I mean, if I remember correctly, the Modern Warfare campaign, the first, not the Modern Warfare from a few years ago,
0: like old Modern Warfare, like Call of Duty Four.
1: No, 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 no.
0: Oh, the, oh, the,
1: the one that came out in like 2019. Okay, you were okay, Modern okay. Warfare, but the one from a few years ago. Yeah, not Modern Warfare Two, if I remember correctly. I I didn't get to play, but I heard the campaign was phenomenal.
0: I'm going back. I feel like I'm... we
1: have to because I have it.
0: I'm turning on Not Ready to Die by Avenged Sevenfold on repeat and just freaking playing Call of Duty. Unreal.
1: It just seems like there's there's like, it's almost got the feel like two fighters in a big UFC fight going at it. And this is like the weigh-in, right? Price had what he had to say. Makarov has what he has to say. And people are excited about it. I mean, Skokes even said, like, Makarov's back. People are stoked. It's going to be one hell of a battle. I can't wait to see how it ends, and I want to see how it begins. I got to go back and play it as well. But that's what I have on Call of Duty. Also, something else that just makes no sense to me. I think it's the dumbest thing that's ever happened in regards to Rockstar Games. Have you seen the news? I saw something about the new Grand Theft Auto. Besides that, though, did you hear anything about Red Dead? No. They announced that they're releasing Red Dead on PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. That has to be the dumbest news. That they could have people are livid. They think there should be a port for the Series X, the PlayStation 5, but you're going back and you're releasing it on PlayStation 4, a console that's half exclusively. No, no, it'll still be on the Xbox One or whatever and backwards compatible, but you can't play it on like PS5.
0: That's what I'm asking. No. They don't have it on PS5.
1: No, they're only releasing it on PS4. And I mean, that's just Switch. dumb. It is dumb because, I mean, let's be honest, the Nintendo Switch isn't as powerful as the Xbox or the PlayStation is. I mean, they still got fun games, but you're not going to get the same amount of... That's what, like,
0: Zelda's um, campaign is, like, the max of yeah, Nintendo Switch. Yeah, right,
1: and you're going to release Red Dead, and then just it's a slap in the face to even say you're releasing it on PlayStation 4, which is just dumb I mean, about and you could play it on PlayStation 5 as backwards compatible. No, you can't play it at all on PlayStation. I don't think I'd have to double check that, but I don't think you can. And I that's why I mean, I could be wrong, but there was uh, about a month ago in South Korea, the rating changed for Red Dead. Rockstar Games gave uh, Red Dead a different rating in South Korea, and this kind of indicated like, okay, when something like this happens. There's probably a remaster, new content coming out, you know, along the way. And they updated the new logo on their website for Rockstar Games and Red Dead. And it's like, oh, Red Dead Redemption got a new logo. I guess we're getting a remastered version of Red Dead Redemption, right? It's been over a decade. I I'm, I'm going to be excited. I'll be able to play it on the Xbox Series X. I'll be able to play it on, um, you know, PlayStation 5. We're going to have one of the best games of all time playable on modern consoles. And then they drop this news and it's an absolute slap in the face. It's just crazy.
0: It's not a remake. It's not remastered. There's no PlayStation no. five version. It's $50. Yeah. Phys- physical is October 13th. It has undead nightmare, <laughs> which I heard undead nightmare was cool.
1: It is. Yeah. I played it a little bit,
0: Um, but yeah,
1: stupid. That is dumb, but you were right about the grand theft auto news. There are rumors that it'll be released by March 2025 because they stated that they're confident in their position in their business for a significant inflection point in fiscal year 2025, which we believe will include new record levels of operating performance. Well, because of that, if you're expecting new record levels in that time of year, I mean, the only thing they could assume is GTA 6, because when that game is released, people are going to go bananas. It's going to make millions and millions of dollars, and it's going to do tremendously well. So that's why there are rumors that um, it'll be released by 2025. If you're a video game sports fan, Madden 24 will be released on Tuesday, August 15th before our next show next week. So if you're into football and you want to get a little, your feet wet before the NFL season kicks off, you could purchase Madden 24 and I'll end it on NHL 24 reveal. I'm super excited. This is the last EA Sports video game to be reveal anything about their upcoming game. Um, It'll be taking place next week, Um, I believe, on Wednesday. Before our show, we will have a little bit more information on what NHL 24 will will be about. I'm assuming we'll get a cover athlete. I'm assuming we'll get a gameplay trailer of some sort. I mean, we're overdue. It's got to be right around the corner to be released here in the next month or so. So, I mean, we need to know a lot about it. Then I saw a picture from the reveal that kind of went viral. I can't find it anymore. And it looked, and it was tweeted by them. I'm pretty sure or some posted by them as part of their like announcement about the reveal. And there looked to be, I don't know if you've seen this. There looked to be in the corner of the image, the tail of the New Jersey devil logo which led me to believe that Jack Hughes may be, one, may be a cover athlete this year. Maybe it is Jack and Luke Hughes. Maybe the admit 2 does have something to do with it. But because of that, I have a strong feeling that Jack Hughes will be on the cover. He was one of my top five uh, cover athlete predictions of being on the cover. So maybe it's going to be him. I mean, they like to put young guns, young stars on the cover. Why not him? It was very fishy that that would just be in the photo, just you know, subtle. And I don't think they did it on purpose. It was this the, part the the ending, the end. Yeah. That part. It's like, that is so unique to the devils that what else has that, right? You're, it's not going to be like a Tampa Bay sting, There's no Tampa Bay in the, I mean, there's Tampa Bay lightning, but there's like, there's no rays or anything. You know what I mean? So it's like, why would they include that? That the only thing with that tale related to hockey is the New Jersey Devils. So either it was just pure coincidence or our cover athletes going to come from the New Jersey Devils. Um, it, I mean, he fits. He fits the profile, right? He does. I mean, look at last year. Who was on the cover last year? Freaking um, Sarah Nurse, and I'm drawing on his blank. Why can't I think of him? Um, Trevor Zegers. Oh Trevor Zegers. They like young guys. Look, who was on the cover of uh, Matt or MLB? Jazz Chisholm Jr. I mean, they like the young guys. They like the young studs. He fits the mold. And if there's a year he's going to be on it, it's going to be now.
0: Did you get a lot of views on your who would make the perfect cover athlete article?
1: A decent amount. Those usually do pretty good.
0: It's near the top of Google when you type in NHL cover athlete. Yeah. (laughs) It's like there's a Reddit thing, um, videogamer.com, and then you. Really? Like above Twitter even. Wow. Yeah, pretty dope. Um, yeah, people like that stuff. Yeah, they do. Um, I'm excited if it was Jack. I mean, it, I'm going to buy it no matter what. But if Jack Hughes was on the cover, I would probably get it like enlarged and frame it. Um, and it would be the second devil ever to be on in my lifetime. Yeah. Or in my hockey watching time, at least. Um, Frank, let's touch on BB25 really quick. We are well underway in Big Brother. What are your thoughts so far?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I like the, the multiverse twist. It was we talked about it last week, possibly being that. Well, spoiler alert, it is. Uh, Riley's the new HOH. There's really no one I dislike right now. Um, I mean, it's early. I've only seen two episodes. There's really no one I overly like either. I mean, kind of like Red. Red is cool. He's funny. I like Red. Um, I thought it was funny that Izzy called out Jared and that Suri was his mom, like right away. That okay, was and that,
0: little... that's what I was going to say. I will either love her or hate her, talking about Izzy. Yeah. Depending on how she handles that information.
1: Well, if, if they find out they're related, it's it's over. They're going to become massive targets. Yes. Is that I what you're going to say?
0: Yes. And if Izzy spoils that for them, when really he didn't do anything wrong. No. Like, I will hate her. I will hate her. I will like her if she keeps it to herself and works with them.
1: And it was... Uh they did mention that they did know that they were going to be in the house together. Remember we were kind of talking about, like if they knew, maybe that's why he didn't have that shocked look on his face. Even though I disagree, I wouldn't be overly shocked if I didn't know somebody was coming in. Yeah. It just blows your cover. I mean, like the way Tony was doing, it was like, yeah, I mean, that's a little overreacting. I mean, (laughs) but, and something else that I don't know if you knew about, um, Felicia has been having problems with her microphone. She's dropped it in the toilet four times to the point where they had to put it in plastic baggies production. She's breaking mics. They're like, it costs a lot of money. And then not only that, when she's not dropping it in the toilet, she fell in the pool and ruined another mic. So they had to put saran wrap over it now.
0: That's hilarious. She needs to figure it out. So. And we know that Luke Valentine. Yep. Has been booted off of Big Brother for using a racial slur on the live feeds so what an idiot he is who keeps that in their vocabulary and
1: you spend all the time getting on big brother yeah like just dumb
0: you're (laughs) an idiot dude i don't even feel a little bad how about don't say that word dude like fucking grow up um but yeah see you later luke valentine smell you later nobody cares about you you stink um, I hope you are the most disgraced Big Brother player of all time. He does kind of look like Kyle too, so maybe the twin, <laughs> maybe the twin twist is actually real.
1: Um, That's Kyle, but in the multiverse,
0: exactly. Just a different racist white guy. Screw both of them. Um, but yeah, Frank, MLB, your M's are on fire. We talked about Woo. that. Um, the Sox are the biggest jabroni show in Major League Baseball right now with all the bullshit they're dealing with. And you can hear an extensive conversation about all of that tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk at 2 p.m. We're actually – it's going to be a heavy Cubs episode too. We have a good friend of mine coming on the show to talk about Cubs, and I'm excited to do it. So should be a lot of fun. Frank, you got any baseball stuff to add to that conversation real quick?
1: Cubs are on fire. They finally stuck into a playoff spot for the moment. They're only a game and a half out of the division lead. They've been playing great baseball. They took a series away from the best team in the MLB right now, the Braves. Um, I do think Mariners get in as well. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit, who doesn't get in if they get in. I think Tampa Toronto missed. I mean, the Astros, last night they're down 6-3 to and they hit a grand slam in the ninth to take the lead and ultimately at the end win the game. So it just seems like, The Mariners have problems when it comes to the Astros, even when they're not playing them. So I'm just hopeful that Tampa or Toronto misses instead. I think they can. I mean, we got a long way to go, and they're hot right now. So we'll see what happens.
0: Tampa Bay started 13 and zero, so if they missed the playoffs, it would probably be the biggest choke job <laughs> in MLB history. Um, the only team that makes logical sense is the Blue Jays, but they've been on fire lately too.
1: Yeah, it's so
0: creepy. I uh, there are four there are four teams for three spots. It's so annoying. and I hope the M's are one of them. You know, I was with you on the M's last year. I don't have an M's hat, though. I think they're the only American League team I don't have. I now I would I have, have to go through. I'm going to get an M's hat if. Frank if they're in a playoff spot on September 1st I'll buy an M's hat and wear it throughout September do it. I swear to god I will do that if they're do in it. a playoff spot on September 1st I will get um, uh, M's dad hat okay. um, make sure you tune in tomorrow Crosstown Crosstalk and it is now time for America's favorite podcast segment of the week Breaking Bets. <laughs> Frank, make the folks their cash.
1: 50% last week, but we're still on a great run. Still five games above five Two picks for you today. We're going to start off with the Cubs and the Mets. It's not going to be what you think I'm going with. The Hendricks is facing off against Peterson. This should be a very winnable game for them, uh, winnable game for the Cubs against the Mets. Cubs are one of the hottest teams in the MLB right now. Like I said, they took a series off the Braves. They've been playing some great baseball. However, and the Mets are probably one of the biggest disappointments of 2023. I mean, they really just shit the bed this year. But anyway, this is uh, this game has letdown written all over it. They lost the first game to the Mets, which also had letdown written all over it. Got nervous that they were going to lose yesterday, but I also think they uh, they might lose the one tonight. They should be about minus 150. Peterson's been cheeks this year. I mean Hendricks, he just he gets it done. He just throws so slow, but. Nonetheless, everybody is salivating over the Cubs, so I'll lean the other way in this case because I, I really don't know how the Mets are a favorite, even in a pick 'em. It it just boggles my mind. Um, so I'm going to go with the Mets money line at minus one fifteen. Um, I think I see this as a trap. We'll see what happens. Um, sometimes when you're this hot, you do lose against teams that you should beat. We see it in every sport. So the other game I'll touch on is the Giants at the Angels. Ryan Walker, name not that many people aren't familiar with. He's got a short MLB career and uh, against the guy that a lot of people are familiar with Shohei Otani. The angels were in prime form. I'd be hopping all over the angels at home with their ace on the mound. The angels ended their seven game losing streak yesterday. they have just been playing terrible baseball. And the only reason they are favored in today's game is because Otani is on the mound. Ryan Walker in his short career, he's pitched pretty good, small sample size, 28 games or whatever, but I would love to take the better overall team in this spot with Walker on the mound, I think there's a little bit of value there. Giants plus 114. Like I said, if o- the only reason the Angels are favored is because Otani's pitching, but you know, I I think that you know Walker could be right there head to head with him down the line, give up a run, maybe two, maybe none, who knows? But I think he could keep up pace when they go to the bullpen. I think the Giants are going to open this up, and that's where the real value comes in, and the Giants take this game. So Giants money line plus 114.
0: Absolutely. Very good picks. Very, very, very good picks. Um, I'm rooting for you. Um, Skyler says a little late, but both Modern Warfare campaigns are very fun. We are going to be checking oh, yeah. them out, I think, as a podcast. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. It's not hard to make me all in on things, but I'm all in. Good. Um, I just am seeing, speaking of breaking bets, we can end this segment with a little different betting talk. I just saw the DraftKings Sportsbook's early Stanley Cup odds. Would you like to hear them? Of course. The 10th best odds in the NHL, it's a two-way tie for ninth technically, are the Boston Bruins and the Florida Panthers.
1: Not surprised they dipped that
0: low. Me either. At number eight, the Dallas Stars. Plus 1,400. I like that. It's not bad. At number seven the New York Rangers at number six, uh, the New York Rangers were plus 1300 at number six, the Vegas golden Knights at plus 1200 tied for fourth. So fourth and fifth at plus 1000 are the Edmonton Oilers and Colorado Avalanche At number three and number two at plus 900 are the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New Jersey Devils. Wow. And at number one, uh, plus 800 are,
1: got to guess. Hmm. Do you say the Carolina Hurricanes? The Carolina Hurricanes. I was going to say, who didn't you say? <laughs> exactly. Um, number it makes,
0: one, eh? Yeah, number one. I'm a little surprised. Ah, they're going uh, so to be so good. That's I'm not why surprised. I wanted
1: Eric Carlson to go to that team.
0: I'm not surprised they're... <laughs> They're number one. I'm surprised the Leafs are two and I'm surprised the Rangers are seven. But you know, the Yankees are about to come in last place. They'll they'll make no changes this offseason and then they'll come in with the fifth best odds to win the World Series next year. I just there are some dumb odds out there. But um I my two favorite prices I've seen are Dallas and Florida.
1: Yeah, Those are That's really good cool.
0: prices right there. I like Vegas at plus 1,200 to repeat. I'm too. surprised
1: Vegas isn't a little higher because it's always chalk to give the reigning champs the you know benefit of the doubt.
0: They're still over the cap and there's more moves to be made before the opening night. So do they trade wild bill? Do they trade Marshall? So they already got rid of Riley Smith. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but Vegas still, there's still more moves to be made. The NHL hot stove will kick back into gear on September 1st, when August is over, um, it it's going to get crazy again. I do think there will be a, a race to the start of the season because of some teams being over the cap. Um, other teams will benefit, so we'll see what happens. Um, Frank, that was an amazing show. Thank you again to Hunter Hodes, yep. who it seems like it was four hours ago that he was on, but he was on he just an right? hour, hour and a half ago. And it was an hour and a half ago. I guess that is kind of crazy. Um, He left, Um, but it was great time talking. Eric Carlson trade the Pittsburgh Penguins Um, Our top 10 left wings and top 10 right wings, eight out of 10 agreeance on those and the defense. Yep. five for five on goaltender. So me and you, we do think alike in a lot of ways when it comes to our evaluation of hockey. And I appreciate that Um, top 20 centers next week though.
1: There's no way we go 20 for 20. I think it's impossible.
0: No, it's impossible. But I think, I'm very, very excited. Again, I don't think our top four will be the same order, but I think they will be the same four players.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Uh, I think it has to be. I yeah. I mean, we'll see. Well, we will see. I never. You have a little bit of a contrarian brain, though, and so do I. So every now and then, like to go against the curve a little bit, and I do too. I'm not poo-pooing you, mm-hmm. but. You know, I actually love going against the curve. I wish I was able to do it more often. Just sometimes things are so chalk, like Kucherov, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Kucherov, Pasternak, and
1: center number one's chalk, too. But
0: yeah, <laughs> I mean, unless you're an idiot. Unless
1: um, we go rogue.
0: Exactly. So, um, Frank, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today and doing this again. Um, it's all pleasure each and every week. And you got anything left? You got to get off your chest before we dip out of here.
1: I think I'm good, VP.
0: Alrighty, my son. It was a great show, as always. Make sure you read Frankie's shit at apptrigger.com if you want more of what you heard from Frankie's Video Game Corner. And you can head on over to my Twitter at twitter.com x whatever the hell you call it these days um (laughs) at vinnie parisi i'm doing the jaguars the bears in nfl the devils blackhawks every team in the nhl i have a pittsburgh penguins piece coming out tomorrow i think for puck pros and then the windy city for all the chicago teams um south side showdown for the white Sox specifically that's the big money maker so make sure you go read that shit right now and as always thank you for listening (laughs)